Welcome back to the Blue Line Millennial Podcast. Joining me today, not a millennial, sorry, man, but to be fair, I don't think any of my guests have actually been millennials, <laughs> except for maybe two of them. I got Chris Palmer here of 532 Insight. Chris is a 22-year veteran uh, of uh, law enforcement, and before that, he served our country in the Marine Corps. On that note, um, I've chewed up a decent chunk of Chris's time here, just getting to know him over a couple glasses of whiskey. Uh, but I do want to take a moment of silence for uh, for the uh, Marines and the uh, soldier and the uh, Navy corpsman that we lost in Afghanistan uh, this past week. It's just, uh, I learned that one of those guys... Uh, both of his parents are Riverside County Sheriff's deputies. I saw that. And, uh, and he was a, an explorer for Riverside County Sheriff's Office out in California. Um, if, uh, if you are able to or, you know, if you're able to give, uh, great. If not, if you can at least, uh, uh, you know, give, uh, give other people the opportunity and, and, and the knowledge. Um, uh, if you, I can't remember the website offhand. I'll have to look it up here in a minute. But uh, if you go to RiversideCountySheriffs.org, I believe there's a uh, a link uh, to to donate to uh, that Marine's family. Um, there's also a a GoFundMe that was set up for another Marine who was uh, three weeks away from from becoming a father himself. So um, I, I did not serve this country uh, as a dad, though. I, I cannot even uh, imagine. I can't even begin to put myself in that in, in that mindset. Um, I mean, we could, Chris and I could talk for probably hours on our opinions of Afghanistan um, and and what's happened there. I've got a, a whole a lot of friends of mine, uh, really, really close friends that I've worked with, uh, both in law enforcement and outside of law enforcement, who spent entire chunks of their youth over there. Um, reach out to, to your vets, uh, your friends uh, who, who served overseas, because I don't even know what that must feel like right now to see what's going on over there. Um, uh, but on to, uh, uh, coming back to the present, Chris, thank you so much for joining me, uh, on the show, man, and taking time out of your day, um, uh, to come over here. Um, I, I do start off everything, um, with some icebreaker questions and, uh, and you are no exception. I've given you a little bit more time than I gave, uh, Dave with true kinetics. So Dave, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Uh, I gave Chris like five days to, to look this up and I gave you about 15 seconds to come up with an answer. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, you can have a drink with anybody living or dead. And I'll even give you this fiction or nonfiction. This person doesn't even have to be real. Um, who is it? And what are you drinking? Well, that throws like an, uh, an entire new loop into it with the fiction or nonfiction, but I'm going to stick with what I thought about uh, this morning. And I think it would be Joe Biden, the president, the president of the United States. Oh boy. Um, I'm, I'm taking this, uh, wish to mean that a conversation would actually occur as opposed right? to, as opposed to him just saying, now, hey, now like come a, on, man. Yeah. Like a handshake. Oh, he could come on man all the time. He wants me, but I'm like, if he wants to act like a bitch, that's the way we're going to treat this game. Uh, we would sit down and I think we would talk like two grown men and I would, and that's how I would envision the wish going. And I just want to get an idea of what's going on in his head and why, like if he has a reason why he's behaving the way he is and why we as a country are behaving the way we are, because of his direction, I want to hear it. Maybe I don't understand some things. I'm sure there's other things in play, but I'd, I'm not aware of them. And I would love to have that conversation. And then I would come back and go, hey, here's what I learned. Either way. But I got a feeling I would learn that there's not a lot going on and nor a lot that he's put thought into. Sure. But still, I mean, I, I have to hand it to you, man, for even taking 
I think a lot of people, when I ask them this question, um, they go a lot of different ways with it. You know, famous people, family members who are no longer with us. Um, but I got to hand it to you. Hot damn, that is a good answer just because that you're willing to have that conversation. You know, you're not, you're not one to line them up like a punch me clown and, and take out all sorts of aggression. Maybe you are, I don't know, but, no, um, like, yeah, he, if he sat down and go, Hey, this is what's going on. And this is why I'm like, shit. I had no idea. Yeah. Like if it's something I give me an answer. Yeah. If I genuinely didn't have, like, I didn't realize that that was going on this way. Hey, have we thought about this? If we, you know, cause it doesn't seem right. And I've been around this world a little while now. And the things that make sense often are the things that are correct. Things that make absolutely no sense. It's probably cause they're wrong. Especially in your line of work. You've, you know, the guy who's lying to you, it's like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Right. It's probably not true. Right. Why China needs our Apaches, Blackhawks, and all that stuff, making friends with the Taliban. When we leave them there, I have no idea why that's important. And all the guns that were left there, I have no idea. But, you know, the Russians told us that would happen. Shit, the Afghans told us that would happen. Yeah. But I never stepped foot in that country. I have friends who have, like you say. Um, I have no idea what it actually means to them. But what we're doing now is something screwed up. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you just... Ah. I said we weren't going to get into this, but I think we're getting into it a little bit, which is completely okay because that's the whole point of this show is to dive down rabbit holes. But you just look at the the Taliban is now in possession of more Black Hawk helicopters than like the next 80 military forces, uh, you know, after them. Uh, like, was it 600,000 small arms, 5,000 pieces of armor? Um, all that gym equipment that they have no idea to use, which I will, I will say has provided some hilarious fucking videos because they don't know what they're doing but even they now have the ability to take stupid videos and put it on the internet. Right. So you know what? This is, this is something I actually thought about last night. So that is 100% true. There are, and everybody makes sense. What are the hell are these goat herders going to goat herders going to do with it? And you have to go step back there, big dick and relax for a minute. You realize that they got doctors over there. There's Afghan doctors. There's Afghan physicists. There's people who are over there that are not stupid goat herders. And they're going to be flying these helicopters probably within the week. Like, they know how to do this stuff. They're not dumb people as a race. We, I think that's one of the things that, as Americans, we, 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 uh, we step back and assign a value to people with sometimes. And you look at it and go, yeah, well, what the hell are they going to do? And look at this guy in the gym equipment, which to me is hilarious. And believe me, I think you're going to – we've talked long enough tonight. I think realize I don't take much serious at all. Right. Um, but, yeah, well, that's funny. At the same time, guys, you can't dismiss – the fact that this happened and the fact that they're going to have actors from other countries who are going to come in and go, sit down, relax, here's how you fly a Blackhawk. And that, to think that they're not going to be flying them in a month reasonably proficiently is insane. Like, I don't know what it, I've flown in helicopters. I've actually flown a helicopter. I've never taken off in one or landed it, but I can fly them. Um, to think that that's not going to happen is insane. And to think that they're not going to be like, you know what? I don't know what to do with this many Blackhawks. Hey, China, you want to buy them? They got cool equipment in them. We didn't even get rid of it. Yeah. Um, that's my only soapbox, I think, for the, glo- the global uh, geopolitical format. Other than that, I got an opinion about everything else, though. Well, and that's why I brought you here, man. Yeah. I'm excited to learn about these opinions. But, yeah, for us not to have, uh, I mean, shit, we knew where everything was. Like, you pulled everybody out. You couldn't, like, you know, authorize one last like airstrike and just make sure that shit was unusable or I don't know, like the United States military will pull certain pieces of equipment from museum pieces so that the pictures of them cannot be taken back to whatever country somebody is wanting to have, you know, these is, you can't take pictures of a fucking the inside of an SR 71 blackbird and then take it back to Iran with you. Like they, they remove 
computer equipment, from museum pieces. You're talking about now actual in-service military hardware with all of our fucking IFF equipment and all of our MRAPs, with all of our night vision, uh, all of our thermals, all of our satellite and GPS communications technology, and what? Now it's just there to be used. Try, Try being a sergeant in 1996, checking out ammo to go shoot on the range and then checking it back in. Like, just try checking out night vision back then and be like, all right, signed in triplicate, make sure all this is here. If anything goes wrong with it, we're going to freaking kill you and hang you from the yard arm. <laughs> Roger that. Where'd all the ammo go? We shot it. It's in my footlocker. I'm not freaking bothering to put this shit back in. I'm going to go out and shoot it next time or I'm going to do whatever with it. But I sure as hell ain't dealing with your freaking weird ass. I feel like there's some, uh, some like S2 supply officer right now just losing their fucking minds over something in Afghanistan. It's like, ah, oh, fuck, we left all yeah. that there. Fuck, shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? I got no control over it, so I'm not going to allow it to stress myself out. But I just kind of sit there and shake my head at it. On Instagram, I get asked that question. Like, what do you think about this? I'm like, I don't know. Fuck, I don't. I don't have an outward opinion on it, man. Like the guys that were over there, the guys who dealt with it, they need to be a lot. I don't know. Fuck. I don't want to say they need to be a louder voice. And we'll probably get into this later. Everybody in the world, everybody in America right now needs to not do stupid shit. Don't sit here and freaking tell me that you're going to freaking get your guns and do all this dumb shit. Fine. Do it. Don't go talking about it. Don't be an idiot. Don't be stupid. Do not be stupid. You want to have your thoughts, think them, but don't blast it. Put it in the world for blast because that's how these freaking damn socialist communist scumbags are going to come get you mm-hmm. and your guns. And they're going to try, but hopefully you got good cops that won't do that. Yeah. Yeah. We can get into that too. Cause that's something I am pretty, uh, stalwart in my opinion of is, uh, uh you know, you get to, Hey, we're going to go, Hey guys, it's time. Word came down from on high. We got to go door to door. Oh, oh nope. Yep. Here's my badge. See you later. Sorry, done with this. This is Boy Scout troop. Yeah, I'm going to go into the private sector now. You guys have a good rest of your time. I'm going to go back to doing pest control. Yep. So. <laughs> We're going to get your guns. No, you're not. <laughs> no, that's never going to happen. <laughs> this, this, it's a cute thought, but no. Uh, all right. Well, okay. All right. Sit down with Joe. Oh, what are you drinking with Joe? Lagavulin. Lagavulin. That is your preferred whiskey, is it not? It is. I drink him under the table and have him crying like a baby, telling me stories from his childhood. <laughs> but you'd learn so much yeah. more about why he ticks, right? Yeah, like, why do you smell people's head, you and, weird dude? And that's why the color purple makes me sad. Be like, yeah. well, I didn't know that about I you, didn't Joe. Know that. Show me on the mannequin where the bad man touched you. Oh, man. They don't have us do that anymore as a sex crimes detective. I can say that I think that's frowned upon now, but at one point in time. And there's been plenty of times where I've wanted to ask people, be like, here, here's a teddy bear. Show me. Just because what you're saying makes absolutely no sense to me. So wor- I can't even imagine. words matter. Words yeah. matter. Um, right now we are, uh, I just cracked. I've been wanting to get, uh, uh, I- I'm going to say our last word on Afghanistan. I don't know that it will be. Um, I have no relationship with this company. Uh, I have been looking for their whiskey for about a year. So I bought a bottle of this whiskey. It's called Horse Soldiers Bourbon. Uh, and I bought a bottle for my patrol sergeant last year because she brought us through hell and creation. Uh, and, and we came out the other end, uh, uh, everybody that I was on a team with last year, with the exception of our two newest officers who were fresh out of the Academy, everybody on that team moved into a specialty position. So, uh, shout out to Amanda. I don't know that she's listening to this, but I got her a bottle of this whiskey and I've been wanting a bottle of it and I happened to find it at total wine. So I bought it so that Chris and I could drink it. Horse soldiers, whiskey started by a couple of guys from the Green Beret unit that went into Afghanistan in October of 2001 uh, and worked with the Northern Alliance 
uh, to overthrow uh, the Taliban and uh, like Masri Sharif and, and take the Tangi Gap and all that. Um, uh, featured in the book Horse Soldiers, the movie Twelve Strong, um, their bottles are cast. Uh, the the steel used uh, to cast the bottles was uh, provided by the Port Authority of New York, and it is made from the steel from the World Trade Center. So, uh, to me, symbol symbolism is pretty you can't drink the symbolism you can't taste the symbolism um but it's uh it, it's an important bottle for for me to to have especially as 911 uh, the 20th anniversary draws even closer what were you doing this isn't an icebreaker question i would ask anybody else but just given the the time frame that we're in right now what were you doing when 911 happened i was in my now wife's bed early in the morning uh with actually a friend of yours they were roommates oh. in an apartment okay in a city that's over here uh, and we woke up and Howard Stern, uh, was on the radio and I got out to my car. I think I was, the, that was my weekend off. I went out to my car. I started my car up. Howard Stern was on. He was talking about the fire at the world trade center and everything was kind of as normal. Um, drove home. She had to go to work. I remember texting her something. I didn't even know if my phone texted back then, but, um, went back and it was like, holy crap, like this is happening. And I called my buddy RJ and we literally, it was one of those things where you can't explain why. And I think people might look on it back now and go, what were you doing? Like that's disrespectful or that's some whatever, but it was so shocking to live through that, that I went to the store and I bought two 12 packs of Corona and we're like, this is bad. So we went to his mom's apartment and we actually sat there and got fucked up and just drank Corona and watched the news. And I don't remember what happened the rest of that day. I remember we were fucked up. I had just gone to uh, a net squad. I just changed jobs at work. And that was one of those like angry moments, like drunk, angry moments in an apartment in Mesa where you're like, I'm going to go back in the freaking Marine Corps. And then I'm like, no, I'm not like, I got this to do and I got that to do. Mm -hmm. And I got this chick and what am I going to do? And it was all this, you know, this tumultuous, very insane time, I think, because I was older. Uh, Yeah, that's what I literally did on 9-11 was I went to my best friend's house and we just got drunk and watched. We sat and stared at. CNN, I think, is what it was. And we just stared at the TV for an entire day. Like, absolutely, what the fuck is going on? And then that's, I remember that's when all the planes shut down. Yep. And there was not a single plane in the sky for days, and it was crazy. But, yeah, I went back to work, and that was that. Yeah, it was an insane day, man. I can, I mean, I was in, I was in fifth grade, and I could still remember everything. Like, I'm watching it. That's like, like the Challenger disaster for me. Right. I was in fourth grade. Yeah. I remember it. The the Columbia Space Shuttle disaster, which was a you know, a couple of years after 9-11. Mm-hmm. I can remember uh the teacher that I had in middle school, and I believe it was in my science class, which is why we were watching it. Um and I can't remember if we were watching it live or if it was like played back to us, but I can remember watching it on the TV as it broke like seeing, you know, it looked like a fucking star show, like a you know, uh 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 meteor shower yep. of space shuttle parts. And I can still see that very fucking clearly. And I can still remember I woke up uh, to my dad telling me that the World Trade Centers had been attacked and I didn't know what the World Trade Center was because I was 10, not, yeah. you know. Uh, and I went downstairs, woke my sister up who knew what the World Trade Center is. She's nine years older than me. Um, and went to school that day. My teacher, Dorothy Gukert, uh, I Doubt she'll ever listen to this. I have no idea. She's from Long Island, and she spent the entire day on the phone, but still managed her class of whatever, 30 students. Um, 
It didn't even didn't even miss a beat. Kept us calm, kept us chill. I mean, there were less of us that day. You know, parents were holding their kids back from school and whatnot. But uh, hats off to her, uh, Mrs. Gukert. Should she ever listen to this? Um, I still remember that. That was twenty, almost twenty years ago now. So if you're local to Arizona, nine uh, eleven uh, healing fields in Tempe. Um, I will be going for the first time uh, this year. And uh, uh, if you have not been, I understand that it's a a pretty a significant event to attend. So they've got one in the morning uh, and then one in the evening. So if you're listening to this and you're out in Arizona and you're uh, uh, curious what to do on Saturday, September 11th, 2021, head out to the healing fields and uh, just kind of take it in and remind yourself of, um, you hear people harken back to 9-11 with rather the days after 9-11. What's the, I would never want 9-11 to happen again, but I miss 9-12 when the entire country can't like right, yeah, really came together. Um, you know, I, I encourage people to not, fr- I have asked people, even, even people that I work with other cops, like, Hey man, what, what were you doing on 9-11? I don't fucking remember. Like, bro, like this is, I, I will say right here, right now that the reason I'm a police officer is because of the impact that 9-11 had on me at the age of 10. So, uh, that's my little, my little plug, um, uh, to, to head out and just, just remember, Remember who the fuck you are as an American and, well, there, and go there's out a, there. There's a ton to like unpack even with that. Um, and I'm, I've, I've talked about it with people before. Like I, I get real down on false motivation. Um, like every freaking eagle with his leg crossed, sharpening his talons and, you know, we're going to get them and America, America, America. And it all kind of falls apart. And it's like, you know, it's kind of like a bandwagon team and the in vogue thing to do. Um, now like hating the police in vogue thing to do, but mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. I don't take it personal. Um, they don't even know who you are. They just hate an idea. Uh, but yeah, that whole thing when you looked at it at the time, you know, that was like, fuck yeah, America. And then when you watched it fade away, you're like, what the hell are we all doing? Yeah. And then it was just like, no, well, I guess we're going to have people over there for a while. Just like Japan. Like I went to Japan. It's very different though. Sure. Like that was beers and three-story McDonald's with teriyaki burgers. This is fucking mud huts and dudes getting blown up. Yeah. Totally different world. But yeah, just that was frustrating. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't even imagine. You know, and, and I, I am curious as to, you know, think if I'd been older, like what would have happened? Would I have immediately been like, well, off to the recruiting office I go. I you know, I just don't know. Again, I well, was, that's, and there's guys my age that have regrets. Like I should have gone back. No, I shouldn't have. And I, and I have absolutely, I'm absolutely at peace with that. And I think some guys aren't though. Like if I had gone back, I don't know what I would have done. Would I've just gone back for like four years or eight years right. and got out, but I've got blown up. I really don't care. Like, I mean, it's, it's all irrelevant, but what I wouldn't have is what I've done now, what I've accomplished now, my family. I wouldn't have that. If I was like, I'm going to go save America. Um, I could have. And then four years later, six years later, eight years later, 12 years later, whatever it is, get out and be like, well, now what am I going to do? Right. Well, but I did, I did serve like, okay, cool. I did it before it. Right. Um, and the reason we got out was because of the way mil- the America treated the military. You know, your reenlistment NCO was like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to reenlist. This is 1998. I want to reenlist. And he's like, all right, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I think right now would be a good time to take care of my billet and go to the drill field in the Marine Corps. And he's like, well, there's no openings. Like, well, what is there? He goes, we well, can go to 29 Palms. Hey. You're out of your fucking mind. 
Oh, and then I went in the army. I'm like, I went and saw the army guard recruiter. And he's like, here's yeah, how we'll badly I don't want to go to 29 yeah. Palms. I, Hi, army. Yeah, hey, army. You want to, you want to, can I be in your guard unit in Arizona? And they're like, yeah, fuck it. Bring it. Come on over, man. I'm like, cool. So I did that for a little while before I got hired as a cop. But yeah, like it's just, they're different military worlds. And I think for the dudes out there listening who served, like congratulations. Thank you. Above all, thank you. And the guys who didn't, hey, dude, as long as you did something. If you cowered out and you're like, I don't fucking do anything. I'm just going to, my ankle hurts, you know. But so what? Right? I think there's a lot of dudes who feel shitty because they didn't live up to something that they have a vision of. Right. I should have. I should. No, dude, you're not less of a man for not doing it. And there's plenty of people who went over there and did absolutely goddamn dog shit. And I'm sorry to fucking offend anyone, but there are people who went and joined the military during this entire 20-year span who have never even seen violence in any way, shape, or form. And both you and I have seen more violence shed on the streets of America than these guys did in the military. So military service on its own, while commendable, and it should be appreciated, um, the fake dudes who, I'm a vet, like professional fucking veterans, like, sorry, dude, I know this is going to offend people when they listen to your podcast, and there's other people who are going to listen and go, yep, I know exactly what the fuck you're talking about. Um, there's dudes who did amazing shit. There's dudes who went through terrible things. There's dudes who will never fucking mentally survive what they had to deal with. But there's dudes who went over there and, or who joined the military and never saw combat, who never even deployed, right? I deployed where Germany, fuck off. Like, thank you for your service. Thank you for my service. As Matt Best says. Right. As Matt Best says. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for my service. Um, I don't know. I went on a weird tangent and I think you'll probably have to get used to that. I tangent. No, that's okay. A lot. That's okay. We're going to come back to, to a lot of that. Um, uh, and I think we've well broken the ice now, but I am curious as to, uh, um, uh, again, we're going to get back. We're, we're going to do this where we, we, we let, uh, we let, Steve, we let Chris go off on tangents and then, uh, I, I steal him back and we come back, uh, uh, to, to what we were talking about. It's okay. It's good practice for me as a forensic interviewer, right? So, I like it. Yeah, that's good for you. Um, what, uh, what books are you currently reading or, or listening to? I listen to a lot of audio books just to and from work out and about in my day to day. Uh, I've got a stack of books next to my bed and I'll, I used to be a voracious reader and now I just kind of pick through them every so often, but the audiobooks I, I dive headlong into. So I actually sat there and when you sent me the email with that, I go, fuck, I don't, I haven't read a book in a goddamn And that's forever. okay. I have not read a book for the, I, the last book that I sat down with, um, was he, uh, he who dares because my buddy Todd gave that book to me and that was probably a year ago. And every once in a while I sit there and page through it because you, it starts one way and it's about a guy who went through SAS selection. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts one way and you're like, he, he loses his fucking mind. Like, holy shit, this guy fucking goes to a shit show. Um, and then Shit My Dad Says. And I can't remember who wrote it, but it's a book called Shit My Dad yeah, Says. My, you know, I think my sister got my dad that book. It's hilarious. And I remember reading that forever ago. But I don't, I just, I probably need to be better if that makes you manly to read a book. But every once in a while, I'm like, you know what? I don't fucking feel like reading a book. Um, Winston Churchill's The Second World War mm-hmm. is a gigantic volume. And I've only gotten through the first one. And it is seven, like seven volumes. Well, it would take you almost a lifetime to read through that. (laughs) But it's super interesting because the letters from these dudes are like, I had no idea they knew all this shit before freaking Hitler took over. What the hell were we doing? Oh, yeah. Who are the assholes that are in charge? But that's like another point. Like, hey, the assholes that are in charge now, they were in charge back in freaking 1934 also. So they've always been around. Um, But no, like Good Vibes podcast. Buddy Clark, I listened to that. Clark, I had Clark Um, on the show. Clark, hey, Clark, if you're listening, man, love you, man. Miss you. 
Big, added, it was good talking to him. I added you on there. That's going to be one that's on there. Mike Seeklander, um, the guys that they have on, Jocko. Uh, his Mac V. Sog series, um, I actually got to meet one of those dudes in person, Ron, and we sat there and they came and talked to our unit about like the whys and the what's and his his entire excitement was all about Ranger Battalion. And then we had when it separated from the unit, we went to just our squad and got the chance to talk to these guys. And it was like, this dude's a fucking like one of the most amazing Americans that ever lived, ever. He was like a founding member of one of the greatest units ever. Just unbelievable dude. But like when you talk about these these prairie fire, when they talked about it on Jocko Jocko and the the Mac V Saw guys, right. um you're like, holy shit, dudes were like, dudes were men, like manly men doing manly things. And no offense, girls, but like, there's a lot that we could do better. Yeah, like, they, as a whole, I think that was, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like they, whatever expectation in your mind, like if you were to just like close your eyes and draw like a manly human being or, or somebody who, who embodies, uh, 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 masculinity and not none of this toxic masculinity oh, bullshit. No. But if you sit there and go, okay, give me, let me just draw this person out for you. This is who you're coming up with. These guys. Wait, but if you look at them and when you meet him, you're like this dude, normal dudes, this old dude. Completely. It's like the, uh, the picture of the fucking Delta guy who, um, who, who got with his glasses <laughs> and his like military issued, like four inch thick bifocals. And you're like, that fucking guy was Delta. Like, yeah, yeah. That dude has, has, killed more people than the Spanish fucking flu. So <laughs> Ron was like, he's a jacked old dude. And you're like, this dude's been to, I think it was every single country in the United, in the world. He's been to every, I'm sorry, every continent and every country in the world, except for New Zealand. And you're like, how, how, why, how did that happen? But that's the only place he hasn't been, or right. at least hadn't been at the time. But that dude left an impression on me. Like when he talked to us and it was just, well, you know, this and that, and he's telling a story like, holy shit. Like, you're a fucking hero. Oh yeah. Like, you know, you know, there was a group of them that came down for the agency that they work for. And he said, uh, we were talking about our testing process. How do we get better people? And he's like, well, don't let your hobby be your fucking testing process. Don't let the shit that you think is important be what it is. Cause it's not about the best dude. It's about, it's not about the best added. It's the best guy that's going to fit and try to get this mission that we want accomplished. That's who you're looking for. Well, how do we do that? He's like, well, if you're like, if you got, if you like your CrossFit, your test is all CrossFit. You're not going to get the best dude. You're going to be the best CrossFit dude. Like if your mission is to be the absolute best at drawing chalk lines in the street, go find the guy who helps you do that the best, even right. if it's just blocking traffic, right? So you can draw your chalk lines. Okay, find the dude that fits what you're trying to get after and get your ego out of it. Don't freaking, I don't fucking like him. Well, if one dude doesn't like him and everybody else is like, it's because you're an asshole, Bob, right? But they still like you too. Then he'll end up being a good part of the team. But I don't know. I could fucking ramble. Well, it's like, it's like getting a, and I don't want to tell his story for him. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like, uh, like, Oh, Hey man, like, uh, you know, Oh, you're the new guy. Nice to meet you. My name's Kevin. Hey, what'd you, Oh, I played football in high school. Oh, okay, cool. You go meet the next guy. Oh, I played football in high school. Oh, I played football. In high school. Yeah. Then you go talk to the fucking hiring detective and he's like, Oh, do I hire fuck football players? I played high school football. We're like, yeah. Okay. They're Al Bundy. Yeah, right. Like you're not getting me the fucking quality. I got fucking thing one and thing two over here who are probably really good in a fist fight and they take up an entire fucking doorway so they can hold their own. Uh, but the guy can't add or spell. Yeah. And I need him to conduct an investigation. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Take Dum Dum over here and and find him somewhere else to play and and bring me. But maybe he fits great somewhere. And somewhere he's probably the 
best the Absolutely. best thing that you can do, right? That's what we talk about. It's like rowing crew, right? Like you watch it in the Olympics, like these guys are amazing. And I don't know how many dudes are in the boat, like eight, and they're all freaking, and they're rowing, they're hauling ass. And then you have the dudes that do it by themselves, right? And you almost want to go like, I'll bet that dude who does it by himself is like the best in the world. Right. But if you stuck him on the boat with the rest of the dudes, it would be a shit show and freaking the smallest, most non-water having or even having boats country would beat them because they can't keep time. Like, if you can't keep time with the team, you're kind of a, a detriment to it. Right. But you put that, yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah, dude, you take the boat over there and race, and we'll race our race. We just can't have you. You're you're too strong, maybe, sometimes. I think sometimes guys are too good at shit, and they're not that mesh that makes a team really work well. Right. Well, and, and tying it back into modern-day policing. I say modern-day. It's, it's likely been going on since police departments became a thing. But just getting... Somebody goes, oh, I'm going to go take that spot because it'll look good for when I go to promote. Ugh. Like, I don't fucking want you in that spot no. then. The person I want in that spot, this person who doesn't give a shit about promoting right now because they really want to be in that spot and they want to do three, five, ten, however long, however many years they, they have, they have dreamt about that spot. You go back to their oral board interview and they said, no, I want to do that. That is what I'm here to become. And we talked earlier in your kitchen. So... It can also be the guy who doesn't even know he wants to be in that spot. And it could be from what a good leader is and sees something in someone and goes, I think maybe you should put in for this unit. I don't want to fucking do that. I think you might be really good at it if you did. Uh, I don't fucking know if I want to do that. Listen, why don't you put in for it? Why don't you try it? And you get a guy in there like, holy crap, I'm really good at this stuff. Mm -hmm. No shit. Because maybe the guy who's in charge of it, if they're a good person, if they're an actual leader, they know what they're looking for in specific things. And not everybody who fits the mold, who has those same uh, attributes and those same abilities is going to like the job, but the majority are, right? If 90% of a people, this, this 90% rule I got from Steve Anderson, this fits pretty much with everything. If 90% of the people doing this thing do it this way, there's a 90% chance it's going to work for you if you want to do it. And if 90% of the people doing this thing have this certain attribute and you have that attribute, there's a 90% chance you're going to be fucking good at it. Makes sense to me. So get in there and do it. And if you're like, I can't handle this anymore. Cool. Where do you want to go? And that's how I think we should, as leaders should do a better job in law enforcement. I think we're going to talk later. Oh yeah. About yeah. We're going to die. Cause you, yeah. Right? Modern. You have a really, uh, like a really outside the box approach to it. And I do want to get into that. But before we do, I need to know what is something that you consider to be like gospel that the vast majority of humanity <laughs> believes to be a conspiracy theory. The Lost Dutchman's gold mine. Oh, okay. So Arizona history right there. Dive into it. I like it. It is 100% exists. It is absolutely out there. We just haven't figured it out yet. It It is somewhere either between the superstitions and freaking Weaver's Needle. Somewhere out there is the Lost Dutchman's gold mine because he was a Dutchman and we lost the gold mine and he ended up in Apache Junction probably at an adult bookstore, but <laughs> yeah, that makes, that makes no sense to anybody outside of the state of Arizona, but <laughs> any country, any city that you're in, uh, you all have your own Apache junction. Don't you worry. Uh, it's the place where, where happiness goes to die and yep. where you can go and buy five, get one free at, uh, adult movies, uh, and other interesting items. And no there's offense. also a lot of liquor stores. No offense, AJ. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the Lost Dutchman's gold mine is absolutely real. Oak Island, fake. Lost Dutchman gold mine, real. All right. All right. 
Well, if you never hear from Chris and I ever again, it's because we've gone and stolen somebody's drone and we're out in the middle of the fucking desert in the middle in, in late August trying to find this gold mine. It's real. You know, it would be a trip. So uh, a little bit more like Arizona crime history um, and not to get too depressing, but the guy in Scottsdale or North Phoenix who like killed his family, set the house on fire. The I, maybe Fisher. He, he's probably, yes, yeah, Fisher. That's yeah. another one I'd love to smoke. Yeah piece of shit that dude's that dude's on the fucking to-do list right like that guy is an absolutely horrid human being uh maybe he found lost dutchman's gold mine fell to the bottom broke both of his ankles and slowly died seeing that's a double win when you find it boom dna Solve test crime. positive and you're rich positive. as fuck because you found all the gold yep. <laughs> that i'm sure somebody owns all that land out there now because it was sold for 12 cents an acre or yeah, something <laughs> either way yeah i'd find him that'd be good and if he isn't, like a buddy of mine, Mark, we talked about finding him. My brain tells me that dude's dead, but that's one, yeah. That's another one I'd like to find. I th- I, I'm convinced that, that guy's, like, I, I had an interesting conversation not long after, um, it was like earlier this year, I think Netflix and then maybe Amazon had the other one. I think, yeah, Netflix had like the Night Stalker series and then Amazon had the Golden State Killer mm-hmm. series. And I asked one of our homicide detectives, do you think that there is actually ever going to be a true serial killer ever again, like we saw in the 70s and 80s and even a little bit into the 90s. And he he does not does not think that that would happen because of DNA. And I say that because of all the technology we have, we would have found Fisher by now if he was still out perusing the planet. There's there's Because of the time when he disappeared, there's still the possibility he could be out there. Uh, he just isn't on the DNA radar. He's not doing anything wrong. He's not getting caught seen. He's just not noticeable. Nowadays, like a kid born now becoming a serial killer and getting away with some shit like the, you know, the freaking son of Sam, all that stuff. Right. With social media, the moment they become alive, getting tracked on their every moment, every biometric possible being taken to their face. Like if you're on Facebook and your kids are on Facebook and every single moment of their life is on Facebook, everything we've ever needed in the world to find them is there. Um, that happening again, highly unlikely, right? There's always going to be a kid who was born in like, no offense, Alabama, like fictional town, Alabamansky, right? He's born there. He was never on the internet. Nothing ever happened. He decides he's going to start killing people. And that dude just kills people for 20 years. Yeah. Cause he's a fucking ghost because he's a ghost. But nowadays, yeah. Highly unlikely. Not impossible. Nothing's Not impossible. impossible. Fair. Yeah. That's a fair point. Not impossible, but all right. Lost Dutchman Goldmine, maybe that murdering psychopath Fisher's at the bottom of it. Maybe he's out in the woods. He got eaten by a bear, or he's just built a log cabin somewhere. Raped by a bear, then eaten oh, by there a bear, you go, like Leonardo. Didn't he get raped by a bear? I didn't. I movie? didn't actually see I'm that pretty movie. Sure he got raped. <laughs> at least it looked like he did. I hope that happened to Fisher. That'd be cool. Even <laughs> I, if it wasn't, it looked like rape. <laughs> I know. I know what you're talking about. It was not consensual. <laughs> no, was no. I I don't think you can consent to a bear. We're not joking about rape, by the way. No. No, we're, we're not. joking about rip bears, bears, raping bears, murderous fucks beats Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yeah, no, if you don't know the story, I can't remember what this guy's first name was. Steve, right? Was it Steve Fisher? Was it Chris Fisher? No. He's an asshole that killed his family. and burnt Go- his house Google him. Yeah, he, he killed his entire family, burnt the house to the ground, and nobody's ever seen or heard he's from him since. He like pulled know. all of his money out of the ATM like an hour before he killed his family, and then he's just ghosted off into nothingness so someone's gonna get mad how do you not know yeah because i'm drinking fucking whiskey and i'm having a good time we're on our third glass yeah. by now just just if everybody's keeping up and i've moved the bottle closer it's not on the bar cart it's sitting over in my little uh 
hall of Kevin over here on, on, on our left with all of my sewing supplies stacked up in there. Some of it neatly, some of it not so neatly. Um, at any rate. Okay, cool. I think we've thoroughly broken through the ice. I feel like there's a, it's going to be a long show. <laughs> it's going to be a long show. There's a question I'm missing, but again, I'm on my third glass of this horse soldier's whiskey. So you had like, uh, who could you have whiskey with? That's Joe. I emailed it to you, right? Yeah. I can probably and then you my... have, uh, what do you not believe? Lost Dutchman. And then something, you had another question. I know I had another question on there and I'm going to read it and be like, ah, of course. Um, we're not trying to bore you guys, but we're actually having a good time. We are. This, this what is books a, are you currently reading? You already asked me that. I asked I'm not you reading that. any books. You're not reading any books. Is that yeah. all of them? I'm okay, a bad person. Yeah, we. Ah, we you're not we a bad a person. Tattoo. Everybody else reads books. I read books all the time. Shut up, nerd. <laughs> cares, nobody cares that you read a book. Oh, I have my last question on there. That's why I thought there was four. That one comes in at the at the very tail end of the show. Uh, I'm trying to give uh, 10-8 memes a run for his money with his drunk cop episodes right now, apparently. Uh, I'm not inebriated, but I will rapidly approach that if I keep drinking this, not inebriated either. this delicious whiskey. No, Chris. I have not yet begun to defy myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, we, we've talked about it a little bit, Chris. Where'd you, uh, where'd you get your start, man? Where'd you grow up? Mesa, Arizona. All right. Uh, I went to Dobson High School. Okay. Uh, used to be called Snobson High School. And now when you talk to people, they're like, oh, God, you went to the prison? Because I guess it's painted gray and it has a fence around it now. It was so cool. My high school has a fence around it, too. But I think my high school had a fence around it at the time. No, they. I think they built a fence around it because there was an issue with people coming onto campus, like at lunchtime. And not like urban campers or, or other... Oh, odd like, folks, but like other students from other schools would come on because their boyfriend or girlfriend went to our school or some shit like that. Oh, so that? the like school we, spent a whole shitload of money putting a fence around it. We never, I was trying, I was, my wife and I were actually talking about it. I'm like, I think I ate at our school on campus. I think I ate on campus at our cafeteria two times in my entire life. Once was during the ASVAB because I'd take that thing. Right. And then I think I got in trouble for something, had to stay at school for some reason, but that was it. And then other than that, we would just take off and go to lunch and not come back sometimes. The they used to call days. bomb threats in so we could go to the lake and go skiing. Not oh, me. Jesus. <laughs> I did not do that. I said they. <laughs> they used to call bombs, bomb uh, calls in so we could go skiing. This uh, this portion of the episode will be redacted. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but shit, like that happened, man. I mean, it was, uh, what was the early 90s? When you graduated in what? 1994. 94. So, you know, like weird, weird shit went on like that. Things were... I don't know that I would say acceptable, but it wasn't like what it is now. Like you called in a bomb threat to a school now. Holy shit. You're going to go to jail for terrorism threats. Oh, yeah. I remember we used to go sit in the, in, the, in the stands and be like, oh, God, who did this time? Like, who did it? And I think one time somebody put together like some Coke cans and duct tape in the bathroom. Like they went like overboard and school got canceled. And one of the dudes had the boat in the parking lot. So we took it to the lake. <laughs> it was, I swear to God on my, you know, anything that whatever was worth it. It was, I had nothing to do with any of those. I was just aware that we were going to the lake. My, uh, my, my only foray into EOD, um, was a, uh, suspicious like item call late at night in a neighborhood park that, even if an explosive went off, it's so far away from everything. It would have like damaged the swing set, but we were all like, Oh shit. Okay. Walk up to this thing and it's got electrical tape around it. And there's some wires coming out of it. I'm like, Oh shit. We happen to have a, we don't have an EOD unit where I work, but we have a bomb dog. So I call this guy on his phone. I'm like, Hey man, like this is what I got. Like, uh, do you think you want to, he's like, yeah, I'll bring the dog. And if anything else, it's just training. Right. 
Well, I get this dude who uh, did, I don't know how many tours in Afghanistan, just walks up to it, kicks it. Yeah, no, I'm the dumbass because uh, it was duct taped with electrical wires because it was the foundation of a light pole. <laughs> so that is my my like stupid yeah. cop moment. I actually very, have a lot of those. To be, oh, everybody does. And if they don't, they're a liar. Um, to be very clear, this is a bad idea, kids. If anyone is listening to this, this was literally the early 90s when... I swear to God, the world was just a happier place. Yeah. Like Metallica Black just came out and it was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Refreshments, good music, gin blossoms. Everybody just liked to have fun. Yeah. Even the memories that I have of, I was born in 1990. So I'll just throw that one out there. Not to make you feel old, but just to get, let you know where I'm coming from. The memories I have of the 90s are pretty much all happier than any memories I've, with the exception of the birth of my child and the day my wife pinned my badge on my chest. Like, uh, no, I think it was just a more carefree, to, even as a child. Like, I sit there and I look at my kid. My wife's been asking me, like, why are you, like, so sad the last few days? I'm looking at Afghanistan. I'm looking at everything going on in the world. I'm looking at the direction that, that we're going with our country. And I look at my not even two-year-old and what the hell are we leaving him? What is he going to grow up into? Like, I grew up into, like, uh, I don't know, uh, whatever was on before SpongeBob SquarePants, and the Backstreet Boys were still cool as shit. Uh, and then I went to high school at a time when listening to Nickelback was not a death sentence. So, like, my life was a lot simpler, I feel. And then, like, I look at it now, and I look at him, and maybe it's just because now I'm a parent, and now I think about that. I'm sure my dad thought about these things you know, uh, once it's, upon a time. I'm but. telling you right now, and I think we'll hit it when we start talking about the LE side of the house. Like the job is dead, the whole thing. My life, when I grew up, was the late 70s, early 80s, right? I'll tell you about a cool time to grow up. That was it. You had the best right? music. It was, oh, we had the best music. We had the best TV shows. We had cap guns, big wheels. We could light stuff on fire and not care. You could just run around the street. There was It was absolutely amazing. But my parents thought the exact same thing because they grew up, my dad grew up in the 50s, right? Born in 1951. So he grew up in the 50s with like his brother's loud car in the driveway and greaser hair and all this stuff. And every generation that came before says they had it harder. Also, they had it better, right? It was simpler. It was a simpler time. It was mm -hmm. better. But we, everything was harder. It, I don't know how it can be both. It was a simpler time, but everything was hard. It was uphill both ways in the in snow. In the snow, with right? my grandma on my with back. With my grandma on my back. Um, but it was hard. It was easier, but it was harder. And you guys don't know how easy you have it. And these this younger generation is a bunch of pussies, and they they're it's too light. Well, every single generation from the beginning of time has said that. Yet here we are, still rolling along. Yeah. The po police is dead. We got new guys coming in. They're kicking ass. The military wasn't like when I was in. They're a bunch of pussies. They're over there kicking ass. You're a fucking goddamn peacetime Marine, just like me. And you're going to talk shit about the fucking booter-ass 19-year-old Lance Corporal who's over there fucking sweating his balls off in some shitty field in Afghanistan? Like, give it a rest, dude. Like, the the men and women are still being born who give a shit. And they always will be. So, like, your son, if you do a good job as a parent, we got no fucking factor. No problem. If you shit the bed on it, like, half the... Like, people seem to be think it's yep. okay with... We got problems. But as long as we keep raising them right, we don't have to raise them tough. We got to raise them right, right? I don't need a guy who lives on a farm with 12 kids and beats the shit out of them and, you know, six of them survive to adulthood. Right. And one of them actually... That was my grandfather. That's the life, right? Yeah. We don't... It's not necessary. But we have to focus our efforts on raising them the right way. And if he... And I'm 
I hate to say it, but if he just turns out to be a goddamn shithead, it's mm-hmm. not your fault. Yeah. It is not your fault. Yeah, I had that conversation with my buddy Brent, who I know will be listening to this because he is a very good friend of mine. Um, but I remember before my son was born, Brent already has two kids of his own. Now he's got a, now he's got a third. Um, but I can remember him saying that, look, man, we can only do the best that we can with our kids. And if after we do the best that we can, we can look back and say, yes, you know what? I did everything within reason that I could to do a good job of being a good parent. And they still turned out to being, uh, be an ax murdering meth addict and a stripper. Not that strippers aren't people, a, an ax murdering meth addict who maybe strips just to get more meth. There we go. Uh, then all fucking well, like I did what I right. could. Yep. So, that's all there is to it. And I'm sure that, like you just said, you made a very good point. You go back to the beginning of time. You know, as well as I do, just sitting here, that the people who came up after the wheel was invented, that somebody who was around before the wheel was invented is looking at them and be like, you don't fucking have any idea how hard it was to carry all that hay on our backs. Do you know how hard it was to carry that fucking ox up a hill? <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't like, have slaughtered it at the bottom. I should have gotten it to the top. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly what it is, dude. I saw it, and we'll hit that too later, I think. I don't. Man, I look at these new dudes coming in, these younger people and and older people. I had a recruit that was older than me. Looking like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Good for them, though. Something I really want to do. Fuck. All right. I just talked to somebody uh, who I work with, um, and they're they're non-sworn. And she was like, yeah, what I really wanted to do was be a detective, and I kind of regret not doing it. I'm like, go do it. I'm like, you're... She's like, no, I'm kind of old. I'm like, you're not that much older than me. Like, I was in the academy with one or two people in their 40s. Like, I think one guy was 45 and the other one was like just turning 40. Like, go, go. And, and you're in better shape than most of us are now. Like, go fuck off, go five months of your time. And then, you know, another three years after that. And with all of your experience that you've done so far, you can probably become a detective. Go do, if that's what you want to do, go do it. Like, why not? And then the three years though, that gets into the nearsighted goal setting, right? Fair enough. Three fucking years. Yeah. If you you look at it like that. That was like me and the Marine Corps. We're going to send you to Kansas State University and you're going to be an officer. Well, how long is that going to take? Well, you got to go for four years to get your degree. And then what? They're like, and then six years. Holy shit. Yeah. And you're like, you're adding up the you're time. You're out of like, your mind. Like you I'm want me to spend the, a long time yeah, in the Marine I'm Corps. i be the police. <laughs> <laughs> right. Fuck. But I'm, and I'm, I'm still glad I did because I'm done. I'm right. not done, but I'm getting there. I'm almost there. I'm almost in there. It's in, pretty in, cool. In drop. I don't get drop. They're talking about bringing it back, but we'd have to do seven years, I think. Seven years of drop? Of drop. Ooh, that's a lot of money. Which is a which is a lot of money, but oh, it's a right. long time to be in drop, too. Oh, get in it. If they gave me, if they were like, hey, will you stay for two more years? Yep. Yep. Or not. Maybe not. I don't know. At least I, I would love the option yeah. to do seven years of drop. I guess just, be a, just be start it, and then if you get, you know, yeah. you get a job offer, you decide, you know what, I'm done. Hey, you've already, at least you've done up to, you know, you've done two, three years into it, and then you go, all right, you know what, I'm kind of done with this, so. And then the retention stuff, the hiring stuff, we'll get into that, I'm sure. I got ideas, but. It's, it is not 1995. You cannot treat people the way they did in early 2000 and act like you're lucky to have a job here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of jobs out there. There is exceptionally talented people who every single department in this entire United States would be blessed to have as a member of their department who can do 47 other jobs that pay the same and have absolutely not the same ridicule, the same exposure to risk and the same liability, liability and, and yeah, everything, stress, right? Liability is a word that people like to throw around when it comes to training. Well, you know, there's a lot of liability. Show me one. Show me where that's ever happened. You freaking twit. Stop saying liability. Liability to us is 
I go to the call, the guy jumps out, I freaking get in a shooting with him because he shot at me, and they still put me in prison. Like San Francisco. They got stabbed at with a bottle or whatever, and they charge those guys with assault. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Like, you, and you wonder why guys aren't doing it? But that's a whole, that's a side trip. really wish we'd get our own circuit court, too, speaking of San Francisco, but that's never going to happen. Well, I'll never say never, but it's not likely to happen. I went there twice during COVID, and it's a mess. I, yeah, well, the, my buddy Brent, who was just telling me, I went and walked around with his wife, I think, like a, a while back. There's just needles just lying in the street, and dudes sitting on stoops, not even in alleyways, not even trying to hide it. Just Yeah, the freeway from Oakland Airport to San Rafael over the bridge, mm. it looks like a goddamn uh, Mad Max. Yeah. It's like camps everywhere. You're like, that's cool. Seattle's the same way. Seattle looks like uh, like like a Brazilian favela. Dude, just just with like tents stacked on, like these are like high rise tents with like plywood floors. I was just there, but I literally went from the airport and banged a right and headed off into freaking Chelan County, which is gorgeous. Where it's happy. Where it's happy. When you pull into a burger joint and it has a Trump flag flying on a jeep, and you're like, I bet these people are happy, and they're happy as hell. They're probably gonna be nice to <laughs> you me. You get here. out, and everybody's like, "Hey, how are you doing?" I I'm walked like, into a bookstore cool. uh, just up the street from like the famous like farmers market, the or what do they call Pike's Place Market, yeah. uh, and I was like, "Oh, cool, little niche little bookstore. I like books. Maybe there's some cool like random first edition I'm gonna find in here." Walk in, uh, you know, hey, how's it going? Uh, dude didn't even look at me. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, walk in, uh, real small, maybe like 25 feet from the front door to the back wall of this place, but it's sectioned. So there's, there's, you know, you have to walk through little doorways and I don't, whatever, and, uh, get into like this third back section and look to my left. And there is a like floor to ceiling Antifa flag. Look at my wife. I'm like, turn around, get the fuck out of here. We're not staying in this room We're I'm not, I'm not welcome here. Like nothing on me says police officer. Although my supervisor now likes to tell me, sorry, dude, you just look like a cop and you're never going to fucking escape <laughs> it. So I'm sure Antifa, you know, like some people can smell fear. Antifa can probably smell like boot polish and gun oil and know that you're a police officer. So we should talk about that too. The, uh, the lack of society's ability to enforce its own laws. Well, tell me more about that. Let's just dive into it. So I've always, I've always made jokes and I made the jokes when I first got on because I was like, why do I need to show up to remove the dude who's sitting in front of the Exxon? When the clerk should just kick him out. Well, I can't do that. Sure you can. Like, let's look up Title 13 or chapter, or yeah, Title 13. Yep. Right? Let's open it up to like defense of property. Chapter, chapter four, Title 13, right? Defense of property. Can you use physical force? Yes. Hey, dude, like I'm the manager of Jack in the Box. Dude, you can't hang out in my store and vomit on here and just lay around. I understand you're sick. Do you need an ambulance? Like we should treat people with respect every single person just because they're homeless doesn't mean they're a piece of shit, but like try to help them out. And then once you get to the point where you're like, all right, you don't want, you don't want medical help. You don't want any other help. You're making my customers unhappy. And this is like when we get into tactical decision-making and we talk about like the safety priorities, like a business should look at it like that. Dude, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. That's their right as a business owner. And the guy goes, fuck you, I'm not leaving. Beat his ass and throw him on the freaking curb. And everybody's like, how can you do that? And then I go, oh, time out. If you go to a nightclub and throw up on the bar and tell them, fuck off, you're not leaving, what do you think's going to happen? You're going to go flying through the air on your way out the door. And is everybody okay with that? Sure is, except Abs- the guy usually getting thrown out, but yeah. <laughs> but society is absolutely okay with that. Why do we treat it any different? It is this person's property. It is their right 
to control their property. It is not your right to be a piece of shit. If you're homeless, you're destitute, you have problems, cool, I'm offering you help. Would you like help? No. Or you can't stay here, dude. Right? It's not a police problem. That's a business owner problem. That's no different than a guy moving, coming in your door and sitting down right here on the floor. Would you allow it to happen? Oh, fuck no. No. But there are people who would call the police. There's a guy in my house. What's he doing? Well, he says he won't leave. He needs a place to stay. Throw him out. Like, tell him. Like, be nice. Like, hey, dude, like, you can't come in my backyard. Fuck you. The moment that comes out of someone's mouth, we've reached a barrier that we've agreed as a society is acceptable. You don't get to behave that way. I'm sorry. Dude, I asked you to leave my backyard. You need to go. I would beat the fuck out of that dude. I'm allowed to do it by law. Physical force. Now, if you freaking kill him, we have a problem. Right. Right? So when I say beat the fuck out of him, I mean you like beat his ass within reason so I can maneuver him and make him make him move. If that's just one sharp punch to the nose and he starts bleeding everywhere, too bad. Get the fuck out of here, dude. And throw his ass out to the curb. And people go, well, I'm not, I can't handle that myself. Okay, cool. You got to try. Right? And if you can't, then yeah, you got to call somebody. But the police really need to be like, do you want him to go to jail? And if I just want him to leave, I think we've gone past what's really good for society when what should happen is I can't handle it. Can your neighbors? Can you get your neighbors to handle it? Can you go next door and go, Dave, can you go get Bob? And can you go get Jim and Ricky and Sheila? And can they all come over here? And all of you go back there and go, dude, it's time to leave. Because I guarantee you in 1855, you're in somebody's freaking property out in the West, like Mama with her shotgun and Pa with her seven kids. And the ranch hand. Didn't yeah. have anybody to call. They just <laughs> killed your ass. And buried you. <laughs> and buried you. Right? You don't get to behave that way. And if society would start taking care of its own business, and I'm not trying to deflect it from the police. I'm just saying like, hey, man, you're, you're an American. You have rights. And so do they. So does the homeless guy. But he doesn't have the right to come in your house. He doesn't have the right to shit in front of your business. And he doesn't have the right to fucking scare off your customers. It's not a goddamn right. And people start confusing those things. And people start confusing the fact that they go, well, they're experiencing homelessness. I'm experiencing dealing with a fucking asshole. Who has the fucking right away? Well, he's mentally ill. Okay, let's get him some fucking help. But you don't get to shit in front of my business to scare my customers. If everybody would band up and be like, yeah, officer, we called. He's laying in the street bloody because he he was in my house, in my freaking store and he wouldn't listen. Oh, all right. Well, snatch him up. You need to go to the hospital, dude. Call an ambulance. Call a psych ward. Call they, Everybody wants to do that. We need police not to deal with this. I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. Yep. Invest your money in police training. Invest your money in new resources because they already exist. They're trying to use the police as the conduit to the resource that exists. That resource that exists needs to build the conduit to the citizen, not the police. People think that they got it wrong. Well, the police should build a resource to that shelter. No. How about the shelter builds a release or a, 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 a system that business owners, people, society knows, hey, if you ever have a problem with someone who's dealing with mental issues, which is fucking terrible, right, that they have to deal with that. Call this place, and they're going to send some dudes over in white coats in a van. That's scary. That Bring back mental institutions. Absolutely. Not because we need to punish people, but because some people cannot 
mentally, physically handle being in normal, what we deem as normal society now, and they need to be protected from themselves. Not us. And you're, well, if you do, if you put them there, they're going to lobotomize them. Jesus Christ. It ain't the 40s, dude. Like 30s. We're not lobotomizing people. This guy is severely mentally ill. I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to be mean to him. I want to help him. But I can't because I got other stuff to do. You have a place that they can take him. And if he can be helped, he will. If he cannot be helped, he does not belong in society. He does not belong here. Well, that's not fair. It is. Because you can't outweigh his rights, which he has, over everyone else. And again, it goes to the safety priorities. If I put this man in society, is he going to cause problems? Yes. Are you cool flying with him on a plane? Well, fuck that. Oh, then you're not cool with him living in your neighborhood. Put him in the goddamn mental mental institution. Like, stop making excuses for people and their behavior. I'm not saying he deserves to be killed. I'm not saying he should be aborted as a child. I'm saying that if he can be helped, it's going to be at this place. And I hope they can give him medication that he's willing to accept and he'll take it and he'll go out and can be a contributing part to society, which would be awesome. But if he can't, sometimes it's time to lock people up. Because back in 1830 again, he probably wouldn't have survived past 10 years old. No. I mean, it's a terrible thing to say. Probably would But it was the reality of the time. It was an absolute reality. And they, you, you again, you know, it's not... And, and locking them up, they're not getting put in an 8 by 10 box with only one hour of oh. sunshine a day. Like, the state-run mental health institutions that existed up until, what, like the 70s or the 80s, um, they were kept from hurting themselves. They were kept from hurting other people. And I say they, not, I mean, it sounds shitty. There's, there, I don't know that there's too many ways that I can go about saying this without maybe sounding a little bit like an asshole. But people who, as you said, cannot be contributing members of society that do put police officers at risk because they don't fucking know that I'm a police officer, but they don't recognize that. Or if they do recognize it, the cop, the bad man put me in the box last time because I, I don't know why when in fact he kicked out the door to a Burger King, like he committed a crime. He got put in jail for it because maybe at the time law enforcement didn't recognize a mental health issue. And even now, you know, what in lieu of incarceration? What do you want me to do with it? Do you want me to cite and release him? And uh, yeah, he ain't going to fucking show up to court. I mean, he lives in front of the court in the bushes out front, mm-hmm. but he's not going to show up to court. He doesn't then, know how to show up. He doesn't court. know how. He doesn't know how to obtain an attorney. He doesn't know how to do all of these things. You, you, but again, you can't, what are we just going to put him out to pasture? Yeah. Like it, we don't, we don't have an Australia. We don't have a penal colony to send somebody to. And even if we did, that wouldn't be the appropriate option for this individual. They no, need to be put somewhere fair. where the sanctity of life is still. Uh, uh, respected and measured and they can live the rest of their days safe as healthy as they can be reasonably right Me- you know medicated fed whatever until maybe they do get to a point as we start to learn more as uh, you know to, I, I, i'm not a doctor but as medical societies learn more about her medical institutions rather learn more about what causes these issues. Okay. Maybe we can start to combat those. And if it's through medication or through fucking tofu and yoga, I don't know, but we can start getting them on the path back to being a contributing where they can go and work at a, a gas station or a grocery store or do whatever. And if they can't, their life isn't any less valuable. They still have a, a right to survive and be taken care of. Somebody just needs to, take care of them. We shouldn't be asking them to live out by the fucking train tracks, you know, and scrounge around for food. And then in their 
fucked up state of mind because they've been in the middle of the Arizona summer for three weeks now with about, uh, you know, a, a now, uh, you know, a bottles full of water, right? 32 ounces of water to get them through like two weeks. Their brain's not going to function properly. You right. Know? And that's, that's not their fault. Their life, like you said, their life is no less valuable than anyone else's, but it's not more valuable than anyone right. else's. So we have to, we have to define that thing. And I, I guarantee you there's going to be people like you don't understand this and that. It's like, cool. There's a reporter somewhere who's going to take all this out of context, just like oh, they did with it. Dave. And, Don't worry about it. And, so. when they, and when they do, and when they do, <laughs> I want to ask them, like, do you agree with this statement? There are people who are so damaged mentally, either through trauma, right? Like, me, like mental trauma from viewing something, seeing something, something happened to them, or chemically, something just not working right in their brain, that they are dangerous to themselves and society as a whole. Absolutely. You and I see them every day. I don't want them dead. I don't want them treated like shit. But those people who are just damaged are in a completely different world than the person who chooses to be homeless, which we see all the time. And I remember seeing it in high school. The It was almost like the en vogue homeless youth on Mill Avenue in Tempe, where you're like, you're, I'm pretty sure you're maybe 21 years old, and you're begging for money for what reason? Like... It makes no sense. But the person who's legitimately damaged, we should take care of them as a society. You want to take money from the police department to do it? Take it. Go ahead. If that's how you want to freaking deal with it. But I think there's other places that we could take the money that are wasted and we could push it to these things. Or as a society, we can go, what do we... Like, society's made a compact a long time ago, right? Where we kind of... We created the Constitution. And to me, the Constitution is the guiding light of the decision-making process that everything should be benched off of. Right, they are they are absolutes within limitation. Every single right in the Constitution is an absolute within limitation, because if you don't assign that to it, then all of them are absolutes. And everyone that wants to say, well, the right of women to vote is an absolute, but the right to carry guns is not. They're all absolutes within limitation, right? So I'm willing to accept that as a person. Mm-hmm. And people are on two, people two A. I believe me. I don't even fuck you. I'm not going to explain myself to you. The right to carry a gun can and has been limited. I don't know how you want to fix that. I don't believe it should be, but it can and has been. So that means that everything else can be too. So shut the fuck up about that, your one your one topic thing, and learn about the rest of them because they're all important. They all equal the same thing. Um, we as society have all agreed that there's a certain standard of behavior that we expect. And if everybody does that, we all get along great, right? Don't steal from me. Like, don't steal from me. Don't beat me up. Don't scare me. Don't. That's pretty much it, right? Everything else is kind of fair game. Like, don't take my stuff. Don't hurt me. What else is there? There's not much. So then we had to create laws. Well, don't do this. Don't do that. A and B. Don't steal my shit. Don't hurt me. I really can't think of too many other things that are really necessary. And under don't hurt me, don't hurt my family. That's me, yeah, me, me, them, and me, them. don't hurt people. Right. Don't take people's shit. Don't hurt people. Let's do that. So those two things exist. Speeding. What about fucking this? Great. Civil matters. I, I hate policing for profit. I got a freaking problem with it. We shouldn't police for profit. Right. Agree. Wholeheartedly. If those two things we all agreed on, we all ever said, yeah, that's a great idea. And then one guy in the back raised his hand, right? He's like, hey, uh, what if somebody fucking does hurt somebody? And I well. Bob, are you cool with like making sure nobody hurts anybody? Well, yeah, but I'm not going to do it for free. Hey, dude, how about I give you five bucks? 
Will you make sure nobody hurts anybody? I guess I'll try. I can't really stop anybody. What if, okay, if they hurt anybody, will you at least write a, write a, write a report about it? Yep. And therefore, there's the police, right? Mm-hmm. That's really all we are. We are an agreement. We're a person. Society agreed. Let's hire that dude that if anybody does anything stupid, at least they'll show up. And at least they'll take a report. And if they see anything happening, they're going to insert themselves and stop it from happening, or at least try. That's what the police is. That's all we are. Cops have it wrong where they try to insert themselves in things they don't belong in. And the citizens have it wrong trying to insert cops in things they don't belong in. So we, it really needs to get dialed back. Like, we've all made an agreement. Everybody agrees that this is how things should go. What if my neighbor does that? How about you get the rest of your neighbors and tell him he's a fucking dick? Well, what if he lights my house on fire? We're going to arrest him, put him in jail. That, that shit's illegal. It's illegal. He's hurting you and he's, and he's, he's hurt, preventing you, you from accessing your stuff. It's a law. Can't do that. He plays his music loud. Mm. Yeah, well, we need to figure that one out. Yeah, my my biggest cop. People ask me, right? I've been a detective now for eight months, and uh, hey, man, you missed the road. Ah, oh, Kevin, dude, you missed the road. Yeah, I do miss the road. You know what I don't miss? Uh, hi, police. My neighbor's dog is barking. Oh, okay. What's your neighbor's name? I don't know. Well, have you? Or or hi, police. My neighbor's tree is growing into my yard. Okay. Um, uh, what's your neighbor's name? I don't know. When did, when was the last time you talked to your neighbor about this? Oh, I, 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 I haven't talked to you. And you, you brought up earlier that, you know, you, you go out and, you know, some assholes in your backyard, you go grab your neighbors. We, I think it's maybe with few exceptions, we're starting to lose that sense of community, right? Like they're like the book, uh, tribe, right. By Sebastian Younger and, 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 and tribe was a buzzword for a while and it's it's coming and going and it's synonymous with community and it's this this combined group of people with a uh, you know similar goals similar mindset that kind of thing and you see it with like the the tinfoil hat preppers mm-hmm. um, you see it with with other people like like you know I sit there and talk to my buddies like hey if shit goes if the Russians start falling from the fucking skies red dawn baby. red dawn right Wolverines hey I need five four five ammo thanks a lot Biden like yeah you're gonna I'm gonna get on my soapbox for a second you're gonna punish the Russians for their bad behavior by preventing them from selling ammunition to the United States who you know goddamn good and well isn't their biggest customer right because we operate off of like NATO caliber ammunitions and the weirdos like me that keep AKs around really just do it because we saw Red Dawn one too many fucking times when we were young and And, AKs are cool and and AKs (laughs) are cool as shit and you know what it's gonna keep running long after I'm dead um but yeah you're not really hurting the Russian pocketbooks by preventing Tula from selling ammunition in the United States I'm all done with that. I'm sorry. I went to go buy five, four, five ammo and then that should happen. And now I can't find it for under like 70 <laughs> cents around and it's irritating. Um, but the, we've lost this sense of community, right? I, and even here, dude, like I sit here and I sit, I shake my head because I, I, when we were new in this neighborhood and we were one of the first people to, to be over here, like we had our, our little old neighbors across the street, love them to death. And they made it a point to go to everybody's house. They brought them a plate of cookies and they gave them their phone numbers and said, welcome to the neighborhood. That does not happen anymore. Right. Like, and when it, and when it does, they go, Oh, thanks. Yeah. And thanks. And then they shut the fucking, fucking door. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh, that was, Oh, what was Bob doing over here? Like, I was, uh, no, his, yeah, no, his name's Bob. He gave me a business card with my plate of cookies. And anyways, throw the business card away. But no, you, you should, hey, hey, dude, I saw your garage door was open. I closed it for you. Hey, man, monsoons, 
drop that tree in your yard. Let me go grab my axe or my chainsaw when you want to take this tree out. Be willing to have these open lines of conversation with your neighbors. And then when their dog's being a fucking asshole, it's not out of the blue for you to go over there and be right. Hey, John. Uh, hey, man. Like, you know, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, get him. Like, I'm sorry. Dude. Yeah, dude, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, At least exactly. You're acquaintances. Yeah, you're cool with one another, right? Like, you've you've had a convers a good conversation with people. Uh, there are people on my street within like three doors of me. I have no fucking idea what their name is, and I take responsibility for that. But it's it is literally a two way two way street, and they haven't exactly come down. I bet I did have a guy like from down the way end, far end of the street, happened to see me pull in one day and just kind of stopped what he was doing. Came over, was like, "Hey, man." Uh, we've been neighbors for like four years and I've never actually met you. And I was like, that's really fucking cool. You do like, it is good to finally meet you. And, and that, I think that should happen. I would love to hearken back to yonder years. Right. But if, if you think about it, if, if that can happen and, and I have no idea if this is actually true, I swear to God, this is going to the same point, the same point. I think there's a meme out there, whatever you want to call it, but it's Mike Tyson saying like the internet and social media has taught people how to say shit without the fear of getting punched in yep. the face. Yeah. Like that should still be a thing. Like if you, if your neighbor's like, Hey, can you, you know, your dog's freaking drive me nuts. Yeah, fuck you, dude. Okay. And get the rest of the neighbors with pitchforks and like beat his ass. Like, I mean, you just can't be a fucking dick. Like if everybody was, if everybody could figure that out, and everybody, like, bullies couldn't walk down the street. And people just were like, you're not allowed to behave that way in society. Most shit would get handled before the cops show up. And about 15 people would be standing around and go, that dude right there punched that chick in the face. And she's now screaming like an asshole. She probably deserved it. But we were holding him down. And that's what happened. Like, everything would be freaking handled. Because people would understand. You don't get to treat people that way. Right. Like, in the old West, everybody carried guns. People didn't go out running their freaking lips to everybody else because the dude in the street was like, I'm going to shoot you. He probably is going to shoot me. I'm sorry. And people would say, I'm sorry a lot, right? Like if the dude can kick your ass and you're lipping off to him, you're probably like, this guy's going to beat the shit out of me. I'm sorry, dude. Right? But if you get six of your friends and you're like, pretty sure we can take you. Yeah. And now you have a fucking problem. What's you don't that, to act uh, that way. That, uh, that scene in the, have you seen the newer Magnificent Seven with uh, Chris Pratt and... Um, feel like I have. Uh, Denzel Washington. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Uh, I'd say pretty good. It, I, I love that movie. Uh, but there is a scene in there where, uh, they're in a corral and, um, fuck, what was the name the guy from training day? Not Denzel Washington, uh, Ethan Hawk. Uh, so Ethan Hawk plays this like gunslinger and he was part of the Confederate army and he's no longer, you know, affiliated with that. And there, he has actually a good little like blurb about, just letting bygones be bygones type of thing. But uh, he's got his associate out there and his associate and this guy duel and the other guy dies and Ethan Hawks walking around collecting the money. And this one guy's like, nah, fuck no, I'm not paying him. And the one guy's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Robichaud. And the guy's like, I, sir, if I had known it was you <laughs> and he goes, that's all right, son, just pay me double. Like that, that, that sense of respect right. in society is gone. Like, and, and not because this dude's a Wild West gunslinger and he's going to fucking shoot you seven times before, well, six times revolvers. You know, he's going to shoot you a half a dozen times before you even realized what, that his guns cleared the holster. Like, we don't need people just shooting people out in the street because he mouthed off to him. But you need to be respectful to your neighbors. Like my high school that I went to up in North Phoenix used to pick the park by my house because I lived within a mile of school to host all the fucking fist fights at. 
the one fist fight I ever got into was in the quad, like a normal fucking human being, right? Like, and I lost, you know, two ways about it, right? And people are gonna be like, that's why he became a cop. Uh, you know, no, that's, no. that's not correct at all. Uh, that's why I became a better fucking fighter and I took Krav Maga and learned how to handle myself before deciding I was going to step up to some dude who and learned how not to run your mouth sometimes too <laughs> well and I learned to just leave well enough alone every now and then right like um but our pastor lived next door to us and he goes over tries to get these kids to stop fighting fuck you old man my dad goes over we were washing the cars my dad fucking drops his little car wash mitts my dad's six foot three grew up getting his ass kicked in michigan and then in southern california has been in a handful of scrapes himself grew up as you said you know 50s 60s 70s walks over pulls these two kids apart smacks them together again and the whole crowd is like oh fuck we're done and then they left, but they should have just dispersed when the nice pastor went over there and was yep. like, guys, we're kind of over and done with your shit. Like he probably didn't cuss, but he, he used to say that my dad and I cussed for him. So, you know, it was a symbiotic relationship. But that is, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> right. Like, and that's a lesson the kids should learn. Fuck you, old man. Mm-mm. Pastor's going to watch this giant. Oh shit. He's yeah. a giant dude. He's going to hurt me. And the pastor's going to forgive me for yep. it too. <laughs> Don't do that again. Oh, Roger that. Roger that, sir. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive There's me. I'm sorry. So many lessons in life that are easy to learn through pain. Yeah. Or it's just, you know, it, I, I got to hand it to you. There's a kid in this neighborhood. Uh, there's a handful of kids who ride their dirt bikes around like they're on a fucking motocross track. My wife and I are pushing our kid in his stroller. Here it comes ring, right over the green belt. And I, this kid stops because he nearly hits us. And I'm like, hey, this isn't a fucking motocross track. Take your bike to the desert or somewhere where it, it makes sense to use it. Do not ever run here. If you hit my kid in his stroller, I'm going to hit you with your fucking motorcycle. I'm sorry, dude. It won't happen again. Yeah. Guess what never happened again? I never nearly got hit by a fucking 12-year-old on a dirt bike. And that's good. Weird. That's a good thing. He doesn't need to get beat up. And if they learn it, they're like, oh, shit, he's serious. And they take it serious. Lesson learned. Yeah. But the only, the only that's the. And, and people here. Oh, I, God. That could add the, the dad comes. Are you talking to my kid? Yes. Yes. Ass face. Yes, I am. I'm talking to your kid. And I'm not going to go get my fucking badge or my no. vest that's that's out the door that says police. Or I'm not going to get my fucking unmarked with the red and blue lights. I'm People in this neighborhood may or may not know that I'm a police officer. I understand that at one point in time, the home builder, like the sales guys were using it as a selling point. Same with the fire captain down the street. Like it is what it is. But. I'm not going to go over there and be like, hey, look, look at the badge that I've got around my neck. Like, no. Because then you're a punk. Then I'm a punk bitch, right? Like, as an adult, bro, yeah, your fucking little kid nearly schwacked my two-year-old in his stroller riding around on his dirt bike. Fix it. Yep. And, and your response should be, hey, man, I'm really sorry about yep. that. I'm going to take care of this right now. Yeah. You might want to. You might want to leave. Or you're going to see something you probably yeah. shouldn't. I, I, which well, my dad has actually said to the police before. <laughs> I, I had a call when I was still on the road. This is like. I had only just switched off from graveyards and I get, get a call. Hey, these kids are out on quads and dirt bikes. They're riding through a park. They nearly hit a bunch of people. And, and it's like multiple people calling. So find these two kids I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Oh, oh, sorry. Okay. I need your names. Oh, really, man? Yes. Fuck. I need your names. I, I don't know how many more times I'm going to say this in a patient manner. I'm going to be cool with you. So long as you're cool with me, that was like my standard line. And it usually worked. Right. And one of these kids tells me his name and he tells me his last name and my pen slips off the paper and I'm like, tell me your dad isn't who I think he is. And he's like, yeah, my dad's your lieutenant. I'm like, motherfucker, you got to put me in this spot to where I have to call a lieutenant who's not even working right now to be like, because you're however old you are, you're a juvenile, you're out with the cops. Like, I got to call your parents uh, and you're going to put me in this position. Tell you what, you call your dad right now and tell him who you're talking to and then hand the phone to me. He hands the phone to me and I had, I had not even met this lieutenant yet. And this lieutenant goes, hey. Thanks, Kev. I will handle this. Just send him home. 
Roger that, sir. And that, like my dad did that, this lieutenant did that. I'm sure you do that with your kids, but it's like this weird mythical thing. And then people want to report it as child abuse, which it's, it's not. Uh, so you're I saying they got away with it? Oh, no. Yeah, no, no, no. No, they no, didn't no, get, they away, didn't get away with it. No, the, the police were not involved because, quite frankly, the police didn't need to get involved yeah. to begin with, right? Like, it always drove me up the wall. I had one guy who would always call in. Well, you know, the HOA bylaws, I finally was like, look, I am not the HOA police. I do not enforce HOA bylaws. Yeah, I, I don't care what your bylaws are. Is it a city code violation? No. Is it a criminal violation? No. What it is, is a big fat civil matter. You can handle yourself, right? You charge them $400 a month. Use it to go out and buy a little stamp, write them a letter, and send it off in their yeah. mailbox. But he called me an asshole. Well, maybe you were being maybe an you asshole. Are one. <laughs> he called my mom a whore. Is she? No? Then fuck him. Who cares? He doesn't know her. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, he's just running his it. mouth. Like I, the best advice I ever got from somebody was uh, my big secret is that I was a fire explorer. It's not really a secret. I'm saying it on a podcast broadcast <laughs> in like 64 countries or something like that. Um, but I had a uh, a firefighter who I think now is a captain or a chief, um, Jeremy, who was like, "Hey, people are gonna." shit talk you or or you're going to get corrected on something on the fire ground like in training just water off a duck's back man people are going to talk shit like if you're getting corrected on something absorb it but don't absorb it to the point where you like wreck yourself over it and then if somebody's going to punk you if somebody's going to be like yeah fuck you you're an ass dude water off a duck's back and just just let it roll and i have tried and sometimes failed but i have tried to always remember that and i think it just society needs to remember that that is one of my, I have so many failures in life, so many failures. And one of them is I've gotten my ego out of a lot of things, but there's times when I sit there and people will say shit where I'm like, I'm personally fucking offended that you think that way, even you dumbass. But I realize I shouldn't be, you know what I mean? Where it's like, like you said, water off a duck's back, but they'll say shit. And I'm like, that's fucking stupid. And when people get bad info, like, oh fuck, here's another tangent. When people give bad info to new people who know no better, it pisses me off. And I kind of got to step, ah, hold on, time out. And you shouldn't do that to another instructor. But it's basically like, you're a fucking idiot. And don't ever listen to that again. So here's how this is, this is the way you should actually think about it. Right. Please don't ever let those words come out of your mouth. Like, do not ever say that. And it's, that goes into like arrest tactics and viewing people. Like, there's so much where the old dogma the way people use words and they don't really think about what it actually means. And you put that in today's society. You're like, time out, dude. Don't, don't say that. We're going to teach them a lesson. Mm, don't ever let that come out of your mouth again. Well, report writing, dude. Like I, I see it as a sex crimes detective getting reports from patrol officers. Oh, she, she didn't appear to be emotional. Motherfucker. Whoa. You have no yeah. idea what's going on in her. It doesn't need to be her, right? You don't have any idea what's yeah. going on in their mind. And there is a, whole shitload of books written by a really lot of smart or really, really smart people, a lot of really smart people who will give you all the information as to why that person, quote unquote, appears to not be showing any emotion. Don't ever write that in a report. If you're a cop and you're listening to this and you've written that in a report recently, go to your records unit, staple your hand to a piece of fucking paper and say, I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. Can you please fix this in my report? Yeah. Do not suppose other people's intention or emotion. Don't, you can't, well, I thought he was going to do this. I thought he was going to do that. She didn't appear to be this. He didn't appear to be a threat, right? Or it, it seemed like he was very aggressive. Say what they are. Yeah. Don't put your opinion in it. Put your observations. That's it. So if somebody's crying, they were crying. That's fine. You can put that in there. If somebody's not crying, 
or if somebody is, you know, just, just write what you see, yeah. not what you think you see. Well, they weren't crying when they said this. Irrelevant. Like, just, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, there's so much in the world that people, cops, I'm telling you right now, if cops are listening to this, which I think they probably God, are. I hope so. Your, That'd be ironic. Your ego, you need to check it at the door. You're probably listening to me going, fuck that old dude. He doesn't know what he's talking about. That's fine. It's cool because my ego's at the door, at my house. It's way over there. Um, check your ego at the door. Just the facts, ma'am, is not a joke, and it's not a show from the 1960s. Just write what you observed in the thing. Allow your intuition to guide your curiosity. Mm-hmm. So your curiosity about questions you might ask is guided by your intuition, but you literally only give a shit about the facts. That's it. Ten points to anybody under the age of thirty who knows who Joe Friday is and knows what Dragnet is. I get people who don't. I have a my personal favorite uh, uh, older police periodical show would be Columbo, uh, to the point where I've gotten uh, rather I've gotten to the point now where I've made a deal with myself in any suspect interview to try and always work in at least one uh, just just one more thing. So <laughs> I've managed to do. It. I'm one for two right now. So we'll see. We'll see where I get. But uh, and I've got a uh, oh, just one more thing mug sitting on my coffee maker at my desk. So, uh, but again, if you side note, if you haven't watched some of those uh, older police shows, they're they are true gems, and you should go and watch them. And you might actually like. They, you know, there's 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 some worthwhile shit in there. So so that when, goes that goes like I have another tangent here, um, buddy Steve of mine. We talk about things that there's nothing new under the sun. Right? People go, well, this is the new, like, appendix carry. Cowboys. Like, stop. Like, there's nothing new under the sun. Suspect interviews, the way they act, the way they try to hide their crimes, the way that they they show emotion, the way they hold their body, the way that... It's, it's human nature. It's not the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, the 2000s. It's, it has nothing to do with it. Police work is police work, is police work, and always has been, and it always will be. The tools have changed. The way we go about document it, or documenting it and storing that information has changed. But the actual work of a police officer is no different, no different at all than back in the freaking London in the goddamn 80s, in the 1880s, right? Yeah. It's no different. Like the Peel, Sir Robert Peel, right? Yep, yep. When the hell was that even? Like 1880 something? It was like, yeah. And it was early. I, I do have a history episode coming up on uh, like the, the formation of the London Metropolitan Police Department and the Bow Street Runners. But you get back into like 18, 1850s, 1860s. Peel, I think, was like 18, 1870s, 1880s, somewhere yeah, in there. I don't even fucking know. I don't remember. But the idea of hiring a guy who knew a neighborhood, who knew the baseline normalcy, that's how it worked. What's normal? And we talk about this and other stuff like, your baseline normal is what these dudes knew 100%. Mm-hmm. And anything that ticked above that or below that wasn't normal, therefore was suspect. It didn't mean you grabbed the guy by the collar and said, what are you doing here? It just meant like, I'm going to pay attention to you. And most times it just wanders off and goes about a normal day of business. But other times it's like, well, he just spiked above the radar and then went below the radar. And then went above the radar. That's a fucking goddamn criminal. I, was, yep. I just want to know what he's doing. And that's the curiosity, right? Your intuition drives your curiosity. Like, hey, how are you doing? You mind if I talk? What's your name? Kevin. Oh, hey, I'm Chris. What are you doing here today? I don't have to answer that. 
absolutely no, you don't have to answer that. But it's a good thing that we live in America and you don't, right? I was just curious. I was kind of walking by. I saw what you were doing today. I figured I'd stop by and say hi to you. At no time have I detained you. Right. I've said, hey, can I talk to you? And if you were to go, I don't want to talk to you and walk away, I would let you. But there's nothing in the world that says I can't follow you on and go, man, you seem to be in a hurry. Right? Right. Are you keeping me here? Absolutely not. Nope. Feel free to move. See you later. Welcome to America. I'm just going to kind of walk around this way. Come bored. I got nothing else to do today. I figured I'd kind of like walk around. Like, you you don't seem like you want to talk to me, but you seem like a cool person. I'd like to get to know you better. Fuck you. I don't have to say anything. I understand. But you can literally do that and be in a, a fucking happy asshole mm-hmm. to someone. And even if all that did was make them leave the mall, you succeeded. And you've probably prevented Something. Some level of Who crime, fucking knows right? what it is. But even then you're like, eh, fucking I win. But it does. It harkens back. You know, you you had a great point there that the guys who care, I have that truncheon on my wall that is from like 1870, right? It was sent to me by a cousin of mine who I'm pretty sure smuggled it out of England because you're not really allowed to export that stuff. Uh, but come get me, England. I'm not fucking saying anything else. Um, arg. Arg. Um, last time. <laughs> but the, the rules haven't, really changed right at its base function right like you know you can't go tune somebody up with a stick just because they looked at you weird so in that sense sure the rules have changed the technology's changed um you know we now have computers and cameras and you know shot spotters for neighborhoods that get into a lot of shootings and we've got fucking cars that go really fast and we've got uavs and helicopters but there's still the person on the street who's going Right, I had a gang FTO, a gang unit FTO, who taught me that if you look at something and you do a double take, it's probably fucking going back and circling back around, going back and looking at it. Intuition. Because it's, it's just baseline, like, yeah. it's like, wait a second, what did I just see? And you circle back around and, oh, you know, the tree was moving funny. It wasn't actually what I thought it was. Oh, okay, well, carry on then. Yep. Right? Like, I drove past a dude one night who was walking uh, barefoot with no shoes, or yeah, no shoes, no shirt, but had his pants on. And it was like, 46 degrees outside not illegal not illegal drove past him went wait what the fuck turned around had a 15 minute conversation with that guy about all the ways that he's tried to kill himself and how he was going to throw himself into traffic but he saw it was a police car and he didn't want to put me through that very kind of him i would rather have been put through that as me with a police car with a body camera than joe's joe civilian but after our 15 minute conversation guess what we took him to perfect mental health facility and good to go Right. Yep. You don't need to beat him up. Nope. Don't need to freaking. Put I don't him in need jail. to sit there and, and scream ah, at him. Screw for, this guy. Let's put him in jail for the night. That'll right. fix him. Yeah. I don't need to scream at him. I don't need to climb up his ass for attempting to jump into traffic or what the fuck. You, what, you think you got life so hard? You're 20 years old and you're going to kick? No. I don't control his feelings. No. I go and over and just have a conversation with him. The old dude that carried that didn't beat everybody with it. Right. It was like, hey, you need to stop doing that. Fuck you. No. Like, I don't appreciate the way you're talking to me. You need to stop doing that because I'm going to arrest you. It's not It's not legal to spray paint the wall. Whatever, we're making up a crime. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep doing it. Stop. You're under arrest. No. Crack. Right across the butt cheek or whatever would happen. Probably across the head back in those well, days. Well, back in those days. It's got some questionable scars right? on ask, that. Ask, tell, make, right? <laughs> yeah, ask, tell, ask, make. tell, make, yep. Um, like, I posted a thing on Instagram earlier about the whole mask thing. Like, a... There's an ask, tell, make, and that all comes, that has limitations too. For me, personally. I go to a person who is inside the jack-in-the-box, I'm making up a story. 
and they won't leave. And that business owner said, did you try? I tried. Look, I tried to grab my arm. He pulled away from me. I got other customers here. I got employees. I, I can't get involved in this. I need you to help them go. Fine, whatever. And I haven't been a, guy, I haven't been a real freaking policeman since forever, right? <laughs> Actually on the street doing policey stuff. Um, but it's like you go up to him and I, like, I think that guy is probably worth investing a little bit of time and talking to, right? I don't think you need to reinvestigate the crime, though. Like I asked the, the owner, did you tell him to leave? Yeah, he, he's under arrest for trespassing or he needs to get the fuck out of the store. There's no need to like talk yourself out of paperwork, which cops try to do. Hey, dude, like, you know, he doesn't want you here. Like, I'm going to have to arrest you for trespassing or you got to leave. Fuck you if it goes that route. Like, dude, can I take you somewhere? Like, try to offer him help. And then he gets to the point where, like, well, I guess we're at arrest your ass, right? Like, you don't get to behave that way. Like, it goes right to the safety priorities. Being a dick, other people that are involved. Can't be a dick when other people are involved, man. I got to deal with you now, right? Now I got to deal with you. You're not a threat to me, so I'm not going to de-escalate myself. I'm going to deal with you. All right. Stand up. Fuck you. Oh, cool. I guess we're at physical force now. Yep. And we have to not be afraid to use it. We cannot abuse people, but we can use reasonable force to take them into custody. And we talk about it at work ad nauseum. Reasonable force used effectively sooner tends to mean less force used later, right? If I have the right to put my hands on you, put your hands behind your back and put you in handcuffs, I'm probably better off doing that right now than waiting 15 minutes and now getting in an actual fight with you with three other people. Mm -hmm. Well, if you do it without someone else there, he could take over. Okay, cool. We need cops that are better fighters then. You need to be able to do the job of policeman, police woman, police person, police officer. You have to be able to do that job without the assistance of seven other people minus you, right? Being a police officer is not, well, I'm a police officer. Go arrest that guy. Well, I need my friends. Okay, call your friends. Now go arrest that guy. Well, those two will get him. No. Yeah, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. That is how it works, though. Well, yeah, yeah. Lately. <laughs> that, lately, that's what it's turned into. <laughs> it seems to have turned into that. If you've got the time to get <clears throat> friends there, great, but you're not always going to have time. Yep, and to be clear, I'm not saying don't call for backup. In fact, call for backup every single time. And if you can talk to a person, all the better. If they don't have to be taken into custody right now, don't. It's a waste of their time, your time, everybody's time. But when it comes time to arrest them, put their, put your hands on them and make them go to jail. I got a cough here. <coughs> that is what I think we're, we're, we're lacking a lot of times where it's like, well, I'll just call these guys and they'll deal with it. And then it becomes this giant pile, polyester pileup. We're tasering people. The magic lightning gun doesn't work. The guy starts running down the street. I almost spit my water out. Magic lightning gun. It is a magic lightning gun. (laughs) And then what happens is we end up using more force or or ineffective force. Ineffective force, meaning you're like, "Eh, I'm pussyfooting around with you, trying to grab your hands on. And then the guy falls down, would crack his head open. Which looks worse on camera. It looks worse. And and when it looks worse on camera, it's usually because it's freaking worse. Like we're using more force when you can use super effective force. Effective force used immediately, generally, better than ineffective force used immediately or even later, right? I used to joke all the time on the SWAT team. They get a guy like magical fictional character, right? He's in the park with a bat. He's beating up a tree. A, I don't even know why we're going to that other than it's park. Safety priorities tell us, well, we can't just leave him here because when somebody shows up, we got we have a duty to protect our park and we can't allow him to behave that way in society. If he's in his own house beating his house up. Don't care. Bye, dude. Don't later, call me. Beat it up. But park, different story. So we show up, patrols out there. 
hour and a half, they're talking to this guy, de-escalating, right? Oh, we tried to de-escalate. What do you mean? We talked to him. What happened? He ignored us. You didn't de-escalate shit. Talking is not de-escalation. De-escalation is taking something at crisis and making it back to baseline. Whether that's shooting someone in the face, right? You take a baby hostage, like like some dude. Seattle. Did, like Seattle had that video. Phoenix had that video. Yeah. You take a baby hostage, shoot him in the head. De-escalate. Just like that. That is de-escalation. De-escalation is going up and tackling someone. Put your hands on them. De-escalation is talking to a person for two hours and then having them go, okay, I understand. And then being submitting to your authority and actually going into custody. All of those things are de-escalation. But people view it as, well, we, we're trying to talk to him an hour and a half. When the SWAT team shows up, what do they do? Okay, thump, they hit him with a 40 millimeter. Ow, he falls on the ground. The dog goes up, they bite him, or they go up, put hands on him, they arrest him. Why didn't you just do that five minutes after your call started? Well, we had we had to give him a chance. Uh, you did. Show me, and everybody, had, that's the magical boogeyman liability, right? Oh, liability. Oh, time out. You're using words you don't understand, right? Liability. Show me where that's ever been a liability. Well, we got to talk to him. Agreed. Probably not a good idea just to show up and beat his ass. But when you show it's up, you upon. Go, it's frowned upon. And in fact, I think it's against the Constitution, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, just fucking people up for no reason. But when we show up and go, hey, I'm the police. Are you okay? And he's yelling at a tree. Hey, you know, can we help you? And he's yelling at a tree. If he's not communicating, if there's no communication, there is no de-escalation by talking, right? We can try to keep him busy, but we're not de-escalating because he's talking to an inanimate object. You may as well be talking to the tree. Yes, absolutely. No difference in the two things. That's when you're like, okay, I see where we're at. I need a guy over here. I need you over here. Guys, we're going to go up and affect a detention of this person to hopefully help him out. Um, because you can't just allow it to happen. What do you want him to do? What are you going to do? Well, you should give it time. Cool. What What is the time limit? So you use, you use words like liability, which means there's a court involved. So show me the court that told you how much time you should invest. No, it's not siege based, warfare. We're not going to be here right, for four based months. Based on man talking to tree. Right? There are case, there's case law when it comes to the service of a search warrant at a house. Reasonable time for something. You can't just knock on the door and then break the door in. That's not even freaking, that makes no sense. Bang, bang, bang. Police, boom, the door goes in. Give the dude a chance. Well, if we give him a chance, he's going to kill us. If it's that freaking scary, probably not time to serve a search warrant, dude. Probably time to wait till he goes to work. Well, he doesn't go to work. Figure something out. Yeah, pick him off on a traffic stop. Figure something out, dude. I, I'm done with like cop excuses of silliness. Uh, what, you don't understand. No, dude, I understand. I, not to be arrogant, I've, done, I've been there, I've done everything. Every single thing. I can't think of one that I haven't done in the law enforcement world because I'm not aware of it. Someone will have one. Hit me up on Instagram. Tell me you don't know what you're talking about. Cool. But I can't think of much where your bullshit excuse doesn't equal a better option. Another tangent. That's okay. I like that. I like diving down these holes, man. And hopefully, I think the listeners like us diving down holes, too. Because I have had people come up to me or message me and be like, hey, man, I like that shit. I hadn't thought about that before. Right? I've had people, like my biggest sort of uh, uh, like light bulb moment was when one of my wife's friends, who, in all seriousness, likely voted for Joe Biden and uh, likely has no issue with the idea of... More people than have ever voted for a Democrat in their lives have voted for Joe Biden, so that's not... <laughs> 
out of, out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> but she, you know, what I'm saying is she, you know, and, and she probably uh, uh, banged the gong of like, fuck the police at one point in time in her life. Uh, uh, That's cool. Now she knows me and, and we've had conversations and like, we're cool. And she's cool with the idea of like, oh shit, no, that's not like what the cops do. But she had texted my wife and said like, holy shit, like I never thought like your husband said this on his show. And it was when I was still doing solo episodes and my buddy Brent accused me of having a phone sex voice. Um, but she listened to that. She's like, well shit, I never thought about that. That was like my biggest sort of thing moment. So by all means, dive down the rabbit holes. That's what we should do. Like with people, like when people can have conversations and not get emotionally involved, there's, I think that if you take any two people and you teach them how to have a conversation and you say, Hey, look, give it 10 minutes without getting mad. If you need to go out, take a breath, count to 10, whatever, come back. But you're not allowed to get pissed off for 10 minutes and you're not allowed to retaliate or get angry for 30 minutes. Eventually they're both going to run out of energy and they're just going to start talking and find out they actually probably agree on more things. Right? Absolutely. Um, we went down that rabbit hole because I'm talking about freaking like the bullshit liability man, boogeyman of time, right? Even the court just said a reasonable time, but they didn't give a bright line rule. It's not like this many seconds per square footage of house, but most, I think, current trained, uh, experienced SWAT teams are going to go, it's about this much time. And probably one of the harder things for the team leader elements and the, the leadership of those teams to do is to go, you don't break the door until I tell you. And they sit back and they're like, just looking at the seconds hand or they're looking at the seconds tick by, man, I've been out here forever. Okay. I feel really exposed. You should probably fucking move then. Right? Like those little lessons that you can get people to go, man, I feel like I'm really hanging out. What does that tell you? Move your stupid ass. Then you're in a dumb place to begin. Right? A, is this a hostage rescue? No. Why are you standing there? Move. Get to a place where you feel comfortable. Well, I'd feel more comfortable behind the bear. Then why don't we just start there? Like I like the excuses dudes give and the excuses that go down that rabbit hole of like, what if? Cool, what if? Like I've been shot at through the door on search warrant multiple occasions, right? Like, please, search warrant, open the door. <laughs> Bullets start coming through the door. Like, holy crap, Matrix, you dude, you do it. You don't even realize. You start dodging bullets. Holy crap but not planned for, it's not expected, and yeah, if it does happen, you have a likelihood of getting winged, right? You probably shouldn't be there. Well, then would we not serve warrants? I'm not telling you that. I'm not saying don't serve search warrants. I'm saying if it were to all go to shit, do you want to stand in front of the door and get shot for a dope warrant, for a bag of weed? No. Why are you there? We got to get in. For what? Weed? You're going to rescue the weed? <laughs> it doesn't care. Like, it's not, you can't make it a victim. The state's the victim, right? You're going to rescue the state. It's not in there. It's everywhere. Right. Right. But guy, they, guys, it's it's an ego-driven mentality that SWAT teams get. And I swear to God, there's going to be a bunch of dudes that are like, you don't know. Yeah, I do. I know. And it would just to clear, how many years did you spend on SWAT? 13 and a half. There, there you go. Chris knows. Right. But I've, I've done stuff, right? Um, Like, that. It's it's an ego thing. When I first came to SWAT, like, we were light speed, like up to the door, police, search warrant, boom, door, whoosh, CQB, CQB inside. Of, and then we had a, we had a dynamic a, was like tattooed on everybody's ass. <laughs> dynamo, dynamo. Oh shit. Um, but we like, we had a, a supervisor, a leader, right? They used to say, if we know where the shots are coming, if we get shot out on the approach and we know the shots come from, we're going to take the fight to them. 
And then after I'm there for a while and you start realizing, you're like, wait a minute. So we're there to rescue the marijuana. There to, I have to rescue the marijuana. And someone starts shooting at me. And I know where the shots are coming from. There's somewhere in this house. There's a dude with a gun shooting at me. With the marijuana in distress. Right. It might even be crack. God forbid if it's crack. Oh, what man. if I have to mash If it's meth, I have to rescue the meth. Right? It's very fragile. It breaks. It's like glass. That's why they call it glass. If He used to say that. If we know the shots are coming from, we're going to take the fight to them. That's some ego-driven bullshit. Like, so we're going to go, he's shooting at us, we're going to go down the hall, up the stairs, and we're going to go get him. Get him. Because our tactics will win. No, motherfucker. Tactics is, don't go up there. That's stupid. That's stupid as fuck, right? When you really think about it. If you start getting shot at for a, a search warrant service for evidence, and that evidence can be destroyed, and that is the only key to this case, to break in this case. Case should be a little stronger. Should than that. be a wee bit stronger before we show up. Um, but if that's all you got for your big weed case, man, that's like a pound of weed. Uh, I'll go buy you a pound of weed. <laughs> it's just not even illegal anymore, I know. man. <laughs> I'll go find it. I guarantee you, I'm sure there's a dude who sells a pound I, of weed. I know at least there are probably like 15 people in my phone that I consider to be really good friends who can probably get me a pound of weed 100%. in under an hour, yeah. right? Like, like yeah, dude. Bro, like, yeah, I, hey, I've been waiting for this day, man. I've been waiting for you to tell me you want to smoke weed. Where can I meet you? <laughs> it's not for me. I know, man. Not for you. Yeah, yeah anyway, not whatever, But, dude, like, whatever. those are the things that used to get said. Like, if we can do this and that, and we were, like, boom, around the door, and everybody was doing the bump and kneeing each other in the ass and trying to move. And then you started to kind of realize over time, you're like, this is the methodology that I was brought into, and I knew no better. So it's not wrong until I started realizing, like, hey, maybe there's a better way to do things. And hey, I talked to this dude on a team, and they've had like their friends get killed on a search warrant. Well, we haven't, because that's what we do shit right. And we're like, well, no, nah, they do stuff the same way we did, and they had guys get killed. So like, maybe there's another way, and they don't do it that way anymore. Uh, we don't do it that way, and it's it. It was one of those ego things. We got taught by the Marines in 1998 how to do CQB. This is the way we've always done it. I hate if this that is the phrase. way we've always done it is the answer. And I've said this a million places. It's probably wrong. Right. And we'd still be driving fucking Model Ts or we'd still be walking around with those truncheons. If it's Absolutely. the way we've always done it, Absolutely. Why, why change it? Right. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Give me my little nine pound fucking bobby hat helmet and so, my blue suit and give me my wooden stick and call it a day. Right. So I got into photography for a while and I had my camera and I'm like, I'll bet you. And my buddy, Mike, he's retired. He works for Costco now. I used to say like, dude, I'll bet you I could do a whole I could do several search warrants with just my camera. I'll leave all my guns in my car. I'll just come in the house and be like, get on the ground and take pictures of all these people. It'd be cool as fuck. Like we'll have these cool pictures we could take, and I, mean, I was I wouldn't do that obviously because that's just bad a bad idea, but I have never been involved in a shooting on a search warrant, and I have done thousands of search warrants, literally, and I'm trying to think of like well how many fucking search warrants I've actually done, and I don't know, but I know thousands multiple is not incorrect. I know that's not incorrect. Um, I've never been in a shooting on a search warrant. We've shot people on search warrants, but I've never shot anybody on a search warrant. Um, so therefore, I've never needed a gun on a search warrant. If I had hindsight and I could go back, I could do them naked and probably have more effect. Well, I think you'd definitely have the element of surprise. Right? Time. Speed, surprise, violence, <laughs> action. Yeah, like, do you even know what that means, dude? When you and, then, and then you need a detective like me with my job to come in and be like, okay, so you saw a penis. Yes. <laughs> Can you describe it? Can you please describe it the penis? It looks like to that truncheon on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> but 
that that's what I talk about. Like guys are like, da, da, and they spout words because they don't know any better. So it's not their fault. And dudes get offended by it. It's like religion. SWAT is basically like religion. So if you offend someone's, uh, if you tell them like, hey, dude, for a search warrant for like weed and stuff and dope and like other bullshit that nobody really cares about, doing dynamic entries is probably a bad idea. Oh, fuck. Dynamic is what makes everything work. And there's guys who will argue that until they're absolute grave. And I'm, I'm just, I just don't agree with that. I'm not in that camp. I'm like, cool. I see where you could think that works because you've never been opposed. We were opposed once and this happened. Okay. So did you win in sp- because of your tactic or in spite of it? Right. Did you win because you did something a certain way or was it in spite of the fact that you did that? You still won. Right. Like drinking your piss in a survival thing. Like I survived seven days on my own piss. Did you, was that why? Or because you, you're lucky you survived for seven days because you drank your piss. I don't know which one it is because I'm not a fucking doctor, but does it make sense? Yeah. Like there's so much religion assigned to an identity and it starts as being a police officer. I'm a cop. Cool. Like I have a friend at work. I want people to know I'm a cop. I'm like, I don't fucking want people to know I'm a cop. Yeah. I don't want people to know I'm a cop. Are you ashamed of it? Absolutely not. No, but I don't fucking want them to know that. Like, I just don't. Like, I don't, I want to look at me and be like, I don't, I don't even want them to notice me. That's what I want. Like, no, don't even notice me. I just want to be invisible, right? I got a gun with a red dot in it, though. I'll shoot you in the mouth, right? But we've talked about that. I talked about that, that other, like, here's another tangent, dude. Here's the road, right? Just start talking about shit. Um, Hammer yeah. down, dude. Put the, put the pedal to the metal. Just drive. But like the, uh, the fantasy land, the fantasy boot camp, fantasy band camp, fantasy boot camp of, of law enforcement, right? Like active shooter training. Magically, like when we did active shooter training, like the SWAT team showed up, like all of it with all the shit too. Right. But no, we're going to make it realistic. Like only two or three of you are going to show up like every minute. What? Like, all right, cool. So two or three dudes show up to the mall and there's like a guy acting like he's in there and he's shooting a gun. And we go, cool. And we would come through and there'd be like people on the ground, they're shot and we would run by everybody and ain't nobody shooting a damn gun. And we run into the mall and then bang, bang, guy would shoot the gun. Oh, and we would take off chasing this gun, right? And then bang, bang, oh, we go over here. And eventually we would narrow it down to this place and we would get this dude and we would get him with a gun. Everybody else was coming in too. And you're like, after a while you're training that way, you're like, this is fucking stupid. This is retarded. Like we have this giant mall. We have all these assets there. Hundreds of people playing actors. Malls are shut down. We built an entire storefront so we could put explosive breaches up on it and blow the holes in the wall and shoot the bad guys. Great training. Super fun. It's pretty fucking cool. Dumb as fuck for active shooter <laughs> on a mall. Right? And then you ask people like, when's the last time an active shooter happened where the guy was actively shooting people and the SWAT team was there chasing the dude through the building? Like, let's get the patrol guys in here and have them do this thing because freaking this dude's going to be the one showing up, not me and three dudes that I freaking spent decade with and we know everything that we, everybody's going to do and it's like kind of hard to trick each other and it's like this organism that moves instead of this discombobulated fuck of dudes that show up right we're on the same patrol squad it ain't the same thing trust me right we do this fucking training and it all comes down to that and i ask him like who do you think is going to be shooting guns on the active shooter and i do air quotes right oh okay the bad guy's shooting we're gonna have to go. who do you think is actually gonna be shooting a gun it's gonna be these ballistic breachers that show up now you got dudes shooting shotguns at doors. Everybody else shows up, hears gunshots, and what are they doing? They're chasing, they're chasing ballistic breachers around the building. It that happened at the, at the shipyards. That happened. It's happened before 
where the only shooting that's really happening is the cops showing up and shooting doors with guns, right? And it creates confusion. Um, the idea of, God dang, that's, it's like a, it's like a deep river of a freaking rabbit hole to go down on that one. Um, police training is over the last decade has turned into a fucking, like a, a mini series. It's like a show. Like we're putting on this elaborate, very coordinated scenario and the actors are going to do these things and go. And then you go, what's the training value? We just want to see what you're going to do. What the fuck are we supposed to do? Go in and get the guy. Where's he at? I don't know. Go figure it out. Well, how about we train him first? How about we give him like some baseline expectations? If these things are occurring... The number one thing we want to accomplish, the number one expectation is this. If everybody understands that, if that first thing gets done, the expectation gets done, everybody knows to move to number two. And it's just verbalized over the radio, right? Hey, containment is here on the west side. Fuck, that's the first thing they want to do. I get to be number two, east side, that containment thing, right? And as that moves in, that location, that isolation of the suspect, um, you can take it from active shooter to a DV situation in a house, the guy's by himself, right? Isolate it, right? Contain it. That expectation that we contain this thing. And then the communication part has to begin immediately. Well, we're not in place yet. I don't care. Start talking. Because then we decide, then we learn what that guy's mindset or girl's mindset is. Is it contaminated? Are they are they actively talking to us and is are they you know coherent like what kind of actual mental state are they in and the only way we can do that is if we actually talk to them because I have been on barricades they called them barricades I got called out from home right many times boop phone goes off shit guys in the house DV's got a gun oh great drive down the road we get there what do we got oh this 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 and this call the phone hey dude come outside yeah dude I, cops are out there forever I didn't know what was going on but no one's talked to me yet. No, for fuck's sake. All right, come out. I will. Roger that. Dude comes out. It's the same thing as the R1, like as actually saging somebody. Like, talk to them. And if he starts screaming about the aliens in the ceiling, we know he's got a contaminated mind. He's not going to, we're not going to de-escalate this by talking. Or you've got a bigger problem and there are, right. in fact, aliens in the ceiling. And there are, in fact, ceiling. aliens <laughs> in the ceiling, which at least we know now. But... It, for, for some reason, we're afraid to talk to people or all we've, all we've ever shown cops. And people talk shit about patrol cops when you watch these videos, right? So for the place I work, every, every person who's involved in a critical incident, I review their, their shooting. They come to me. We talk. We talk about, hey, what did you feel like? What did you see? What do we do here? They have, we have our, uh, a unit that actually helps the employees out. Um, all these things go on. And then I hear people talk shit about what they did. And it's frustrating. Oh, these fucking, like, drop the knife, drop the knife, drop the knife, drop the knife. I would have fucking do this. I make, I, I don't make fun of it, but I go, where are we at next? What's the next command? Drop the fucking knife, right? Drop the knife, drop the knife, drop, drop the fucking knife. Oh, shit. Now they know you're serious. But when you watch people get stuck in that OODA loop, when you watch them get stuck in that, that, that rotational set of thinking, right? Their brain is going, I don't know what the fuck to do, but that's a knife and I don't want him to have it. Let's fix that problem. The only thing I know how to do is tell him to drop it. And he's just not doing that. But we had a class earlier and the guy, it was a great idea. He just calls it the tactical pause, which is stupid. It doesn't have to be tactical. It's just about how about shut up, right? How about listen, drop the knife, dude. Don't say a fucking another word for at least a minute. What if he charged me? Shoot him. Run away. Something. But why are you talking? You already told him what you want. 
hey, my name's Chris. I'm with the police. You need to put the knife down. Oh, all right. We've made our expectations reasonably clear with this person, and he's still yelling at the tree. Okay, I don't need to say anything right now. How about I get it now on the radio? This is what I have, and it doesn't need a code assigned to it. I've got a 918 with a 417 King doing what? No, I got a guy yelling at a tree. He's got a knife in his hand. He seems very agitated. He is absolutely unresponsive to anything I've said to him. I need units over here. I need to stop traffic this way. My main goal is to not allow him into this area. Cool, I need less lethal. I need this and that. Because everybody's going to show up with a gun, right? Right. Because everybody wants to point a gun at him. Because that magic talisman, right? We treat it like the little drum from the Karate Kid. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a magic talisman. Sometimes we make it, it makes noise, right? The gun. Like bang, bang, bang. Or tucka, 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 tucka when we whack it back and forth, right? So we pull our magic talisman out. Hopefully we don't have to make it make noise because if we do that, someone's about to get crane kicked in the fucking nose. We don't want that. So we pull the magic talisman out and we hold it out in front of us to ward off evil, which it doesn't do. Like, and, and I, I used, I've actually said this in a group of cops, I'm like, have you never had anyone tell you, like you pull a gun out and point it at him and they go, fuck you, shoot me. And one guy goes, I've never had anyone say that. I'm like, I don't know where the fuck you work then, dude. <laughs> Cause I, I've pointed my gun at people when I was a patrol officer and I'm like, don't move. And he goes, fuck you, bitch, shoot me. And I'm like, like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't I know what to I do will. now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what are you going to do now? Do I like, I mean, is that an open invitation? Like, All right. Can you sign something first? <laughs> we got a guy that's a president now says, I'll shoot you right in the knee. I know I can hit it. Yeah, he's also told us to violate Shannon's law by firing buckshot into the air. That's fine. It is a way, right? It is a way. Each one of those violations, by the way, is a classified felony in the state of Arizona. Don't do it. So don't don't fucking do it. Um, (laughs) I don't know. The fucking magic talisman comes out, all that stuff. It's just, I don't even know where I was going with that. It's, there's so much stuff that we see cops do that we make fun of because we're cops or the citizenry sees it and goes, I don't like the way they behaved. When we have to actually look at that, step back and go, okay, I don't like what they did as a cop. You don't like what they did as a citizen. That means it's probably fucked up and wrong. How do we stop it from happening? Because if you tell me that the way we used to do things is the only way, well, the way we used to do things created that fucking mess over there. Shit needs to get fixed. Well, back in my day, it wouldn't happen. Dude, A, shut up, because it did you just don't remember it because it wasn't on body cam or on the news. You had idiots working in 1975 and in 1955. You had people scared of their shadow in 1945. Mm-hmm. They've existed forever. It's not the age of the officer that's out there doing it. Their capabilities are limited by their own personality, right? Their own. They have a maximum capability. Every person does. But we have had a system in place for... I don't know how long. I'm pretty sure it hasn't changed much since I went through and even when my dad went through and when you went through. Maybe what we're doing created something that kind of worked in spite of itself for a while. And because we had exceptional men and women that took that job, they figured out how to do it the right way. Maybe the system wasn't the answer. Maybe it was these exceptional men and women who came before us who just made it work. And through their training, taught a lot of us how it works. But as things progressed and more and more cops were needed, we diluted that pool. And I'm not saying to the cops that are out there brand new now that the gene pool's been diluted. But what I'm saying to the cops right out there that are out, cops are out there right now, the gene pool's been diluted. All right. Your fellow squad mates, when you look around your briefing room, when you get out on the street and you get on a call, I guarantee you 
There's people that show up and you're like, fuck, I wish Dave wasn't here. I wish Ricky didn't show up today. Christ, it's going to make this a pain ass. He's going to piss this dude off, right? That same Ricky was there in 1975. Nothing's changed. But the way they dealt with stuff back then, the way they were allowed to deal with things back then has changed, right? And we used to make make fun of it called bullying, you know, peer pressure, things like that. Um, peer pressure is a is a, a very valid force, right? And it's not degrading or demeaning or picking on anyone, but it's telling someone at a peer level, hey, dude, the way you're acting right now is unacceptable. I'm not going to have you on my calls anymore. If you keep acting like that, we're going to have a problem, right? And that gets back to the neighborhood taking care of itself. I will beat your ass. If you and I have to go have choir practice later and fight, that's going to happen. But you don't get to fucking act that way, all right? It doesn't need to be an EEO complaint. It doesn't need to be taken through HR. And he was mean to me on the call. Maybe you deserved it. Maybe you deserved it. I can't possibly have deserved it. I don't like, you know, the society don't give a shit about your feelings, right? You do, and the people who work with you should. But back in the day, things were worked out that way. Like, there was an understanding and expectation of the way things would happen. And there are things that have slacked. They have. They have slacked. They've been allowed to, well, just get them through. Like, this dude, as a recruit, is a mess. He's going to get himself hurt. Don't worry. We'll put him up somewhere where he can't cause a problem. We need the people. No, we don't. We don't need numbers. We need effective, trained police officers, peace officers, right? They're not here to enforce the law. They're here to keep the peace, right? We need effective people trained that way, and that's where like, I get into that the whole MOS of law enforcement, like, why can't we do it? Are we afraid? Like, are people's egos too wrapped up around the idea of I'm a police officer to admit the fact that maybe half of what we do as law enforcement is a civilian job? Maybe it is. Well, you don't understand. No, I do. I, I completely understand. Why do we view the police officer, or when we say police officer, and say, hey, what do you think of? And you ask the normal citizen that. What do you think of? They're picturing generally a man, no offense to all you people that get offended, but if you ask someone, what's a police officer look like? If they're not trying to be PC, like the surgeon said, I can't possibly operate it. It's on my son. How is that possible? Well, the surgeon was a woman. You know, that 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 mind exercise. Right. Let's get outside of that stupid shit and just say, when you envision a police officer, what do you envision? And if it's not a guy who's like six foot three wearing a, a dark blue hat with points on it and a light blue shirt and a badge or a dark, you know, like a dark jacket from the 1980s kids books that I used to look at, then I don't know what world you're living in. Why can't it be a small woman? You're right. It can be. And there are women out there and they all, and there's women that I know that are going to listen to this and they're going to guarantee they're going to be like, you're damn right. Cause they're badasses. They are badasses. They're tough. But the, the actual vision, when you ask someone, what does a policeman look like, a police officer? It looks like that dude in the storybook. The, right? st- the stereotypical. Stereotypical police officer. Sure. Um, now, typically a highway patrol guy. Like six foot four. Smokey the bear hat. Smokey the bear hat. And hello, son. Like, that's what they envision. The world has changed. So the, the, the ability to do the policing job hasn't diminished because we've allowed women to do it. They've actually increased. 
they've made it better. They've actually added layers that only women can to our understanding of how we should behave with other people, and they actually added depth to even handling a call. Sometimes you've noticed it. Sometimes when a female officer shows up, everybody chills the hell out. Right. Sometimes when a female officer shows up, it gets worse because the guy, we had a, a shooting recently, guy came out, he's like, I fucking hate women. Probably not a good idea to have women standing out front right now because it's agitating him. Well, and I've had female victims look at me and be like, I'm not fucking talking to you. And you know what? I don't blame them. And be like, what can I, how, how can I help you right now? Not, not like solving a crime or whatever. Right here, right now, how can I help you? And I had a girl just recently tell me, you go find me a woman and I will talk to her. Sounds good. Perfect. I'll get you a bottle of water. I'll be right back. Sorry. And you can't, you don't, your ego, uh, you don't understand. I'm the detective. You will talk to me. That's that ego right there. You would never do that. And you would never accept someone doing it. But that same ego is what we impart on other things, right? We go, well, I'm the only cop you're going to get. No, you're not, dude. Like if you show up and the guy's like, fuck you, you're an asshole. A, you're probably an asshole. I've been an asshole. But if they're like, I'm not talking to you. All right. You want me to get you another officer? Yep. And the other one shows up? I ain't talking to him either. Why not? I'm only talking to a white officer. Okay. Cool. I'm not going to waste my time with you, dude. There, there's a time we should be able to say that to people. Right. You know what, dude? You obviously don't need help from the police. You need help from a specific kind of police. And we don't have them here. Okay? I'm sorry, but I wasn't hired to be your concierge for police work. I wasn't hired by the citizens that I work for to be your ass kisser, right? Serve and protect. I, I used to make, it used to be a joke where I used to work. Like, show me where the fuck it says that on the side of my car. Well, it doesn't. You're right. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't say that <laughs> shit on the side of my car, you fucking twit, right? Serve and protect. No, I'm here to protect society as a whole, not your ass, right? Because you're being a dick. You don't get to behave that way, right? If you want police service, tell me what you need done. Tell me how I can help you. And we'll just go about our business. I'm not here to talk you out of your report. He looked at me funny. Okay. What do you want me to do? I want it reported. I will. What's your name? And cops try to talk themselves out of that. Just go document it. Go document an FI card. Yeah. Take it. Talk to Bob. Not even. Talk to Bob. His neighbor, Jim, looked at him funny. Bob did not like this. I informed Bob that I would document it. The end. The end. Goodbye. You, you, uh, happy as fuck. <laughs> and so, and people, you know, and, and they shouldn't, but sometimes people just want or feel as though they need that validation that, oh, look at me. Look, I, my beck and call right there showed up in the black and white or in the blue and white or whatever color your police car happens to be nowadays. And, uh, sometimes, you, uh, as much as you might want to tell that person, like, fuck you, dude. Like, this is a stupid reason for call. Also remember that the way that I kind of looked at it was some of this comes down to customer service. Uh, and, and I and what I deliver are a product and this citizen who pays their taxes, hopefully, uh, uh, this, this citizen who it, it lives and exists within the area that I work, uh, expects some sort of validation and it takes you five minutes to write a report that does not need to be a Harry Potter novel. Just like you just said, Chris, you know, Bob was a dick. His neighbor was a dick. The end, right? Send. 
And your, your, your sergeant may look at me like, why did you even make this a report? Why because, not? <laughs> because boss, he wanted it to be a report. It took me five minutes. What, it, it, Who's it hurting? It's over and done with. You didn't get a complaint. I didn't get a complaint, right? Like, and, and that guy felt validated, and he's going to shut the fuck up for two weeks. We used to have dudes that would spend 15 minutes trying to talk somebody out of reporting an actual crime. Well, you know, it's probably nothing going to happen from this. Blah, 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 blah. Here we go. Write it down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. And we're done. Here's your victim's rights pamphlet. Here's this. Here's that. Because, and not to make light of it, right? Like some things are very minor and small. And there are some things that we look at, and I think a lot of people don't get that. They don't understand that about cops. The thing that they called you on is probably the worst thing they've dealt with that year. Like it's, it, someone's house getting broken into is a big fucking deal. Right. Like I tell new cops that. I'm like, understand this very quickly. It's not just another burglary. Imagine if your fucking house got broke into, how absolutely violated and how fucking pissed you would be and how you would probably skin that person and fry their skin and feed it to your dog. Like, that's not cool. Thieves are freaking disgusting. That happened to this person. Show them some respect. You don't have to fake it, but just show, like, do it. Be good. Be nice to understand. Be human. Be human. They just went through some absolute bullshit. And, like, they are violated. Like, be kind. Show up. Okay, yep, I understand. Man, you know, can I help you with this? Is there anything? Like, And that's a good thing a patrol cop can learn is, like, what access to uh, what like services you have. Sure, yeah. Like, board up services, like anything. But, like, just take the report. Is there anything missing? Here's this. Make sure if anything does show up, you you call this number and you add it to the report. Here's your here's your report number. Is there anything you can think of? Do you have a problem with anybody? I'm going to go look around and then make the actual effort. Go drive around the block. Look for ring cameras, look for whatever. something. And go, you know, I documented these things. I talked, neighbor wasn't home, but maybe this is something I could follow up on. Just try. It does not take much time. And at least they feel like something happened. You don't need to spend an hour in the house dusting everything. Like, and makes and explain that right off the bat. Like, hey, the way this table is, I'm not going to be able to do anything with it. But I noticed they opened up the glass. Maybe we'll get lucky. And it's and that's like shit. That goes to departments. Like I remember when I was first on, if your prints hit on something, they would actually send you a little attaboy saying, "Hey, your prints hit on Joe Bob the shithead, whose prints are obviously on file because he's burglarizing houses, and now we've got a warrant for his arrest, and we're going to go arrest him. Would you like to be part of it? Even like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. Where's he at? And we'll go get him. But that little stuff like that, that even goes to like a leadership thing. Well, we don't have time. It costs money. No, it doesn't. It takes two seconds to send an email. Tickety, tick, tick, tick. Hey, just so you know, the prints that you took on that crime scene, they actually hit on a guy, and now we got a grand jury warrant for his arrest. Cool. Or, hey, if you want to go pick him up, here's his name, DOB. He lives at this apartment. <coughs> Those are little things. Well, it's the little things that keep the patrol officer, you know, especially the newer guy who, who you know, goes through year like 2020 and experiences a whole career's worth of fucking burnout from working 27 days straight on a riot line. But it's nice for every now and then for them to get an email, be like, Hey, the reasonable and you know, the, what well, that's just it. The reasonable effort that you put into that investigation as the initial responding patrol officer. And it took two hours out of your day. And then you wrote a report out of it right before you went home. Hey, just so you know, you did a really good fucking job on that. I appreciated your effort. And this is what we've done for it. Tell you what, just the initial re- responding patrol officer, this ticked it off in my brain to, to talk about. Police unions, all you police union people out there right now, how about you spend next year investing in the patrol officer and saying that grade, that 
officer, that field of police work should have a higher percentage of pay on its face. The patrol officer should have a higher percentage of pay. And I've actually had one of my old guys argue with me on it saying, well, that's an entry level position. I understand that. But it's also the first point of contact with everybody that's in the public. So punishing people who do something somewhere else and sending them to patrol to me makes absolutely no sense. It is on its face wrong. It demeans the work that those men and women do every single time it happens. And it happens across this country. When a guy screws up in detectives, you're going back to patrol. Why is he going back to patrol? He's a fucking idiot. Send him to some, send him to the basement to answer phones. Send him somewhere. Don't put him in a, a police car and have him contact our goddamn people that we work for, right? The good people of our community. Don't have him go out there. He could well, he's got a chip right. on his shoulder. Yeah. Send his ass to the basement and answer phone calls and have him fix his ways and bring him back where he was. Or fire him, right? Don't send him to patrol. I hate that. You're going to patrol. That guy's an idiot. So you're going to... Yep. It's a punishment. They look at it as a boneyard and a punishment field, and they wonder why young men and women want to get away from it. Right? Like, well, if somebody fucks up, they send them out there. You mean where I work? Yeah, that's where all the fuck-ups go. I'm a fuck-up? Well, not you. Because that's what it says. It's the absolute, absolute abortion of leadership. Right? If you took someone, you because you, you did, if you're the chief, if you're the chief, you put a person in a position of a special unit. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. Because a sergeant or someone who works for you, they did. Right? And you approved it in the end. If you put them there and they can't do that right, and you're going to tell me you're going to put them back with the hard, the hardest working people, I'm a detective. I work hard too. Patrol is the first level of contact. It should get paid more. And if you want to escape it, you have to take a pay cut. You want to get out of patrol? You hate it? Cool. You're going to take a 5% pay cut. I'm willing to do that. Cool, because I think I'd be better here. And that's like the MOS thing, right? Why don't you hire people off the bat to do that? And if they can't do the job they got hired for, you're not good enough to do this patrol job. Like, we need people who are go-getters, kind. They can do all these things. They're physically fit. They can do all of the things that we expect a police officer to do. They can do them. They don't hide behind the Walmart and sleep. Right. They don't freaking come over here. They're not afraid to get them, their hands dirty. They're going to go out and work. They're going to be proactive yet kind, right? Not every black kid walking in the street is up to no good, right? And that's one thing that's crazy. Like, I learned that from my dad a long time ago. Driving down the road, I used to go on a ride along with him in Tempe. Kid comes running across the street, and I was like, hey, what's that guy doing? He's like, probably going to the bus stop. And he's running to the bus stop. And you're like, oh, shit. I'm like 15. I don't know right. better. He's fucking running. Yeah, there's a bus stop there. Oh. And you see it all the time. Right when you see weird things, then when you start to realize your environment again, the baseline. Once you recognize the environment, you know what's out of place and what's not. And if you're in a neighborhood that's predominantly black, and I'm just using this Mr. Internet Place world that's out there listening to podcasts, I'm just using this as an example. If you're in a predominantly black neighborhood and a black kid is running down the street, that's not weird, right? That's not out of place. If you're in a predominantly black neighborhood and a black kid is on the side of a house looking in the window, and then he sees you and runs, that's out of place. In a white neighborhood, a Hispanic neighborhood, an Asian neighborhood, it doesn't matter. That behavior on its face is out of place. You belong. What's he doing? He's jumping fences, running for me because I saw him looking in the window, and then you see dudes running out the back. That's a burglar, right? But learning what is and isn't out of, out of place is super important for dudes. But that's where that whole patrol element is. Like, 
I would love to see that happen. I'll give up 5% of my pay, give it to the patrol guys. But you have most people in, in every department I've been around, the majority of people are not in patrol. The larger departments, the majority of people are not in patrol. Smaller departments, the majority are in patrol, right? So then you you lose that disparity where everybody else fights for the 20-year guy, the pension, and everything mm-hmm. else, and they don't recognize that, hey, why don't we make this the beefed-up place? And if you're driven by money, if that's what motivates you, if it's not you know the do-gooder or anything else, if you're driven by building a high three, you're driven by what your retirement's going to be, the easiest place to do that fiscally is going to be patrol. Well, I can't do that. Go somewhere else. Go move to another detective position. That guy's not good at that either. How about we hire someone that could do that position and never has to go to patrol? Because I guarantee you there are people out there right now, if I went up and said, hey, how would you like to help old people get their money back? They'd be like, absolutely. Sign me up. What do I do? You're going to be a police officer. Nope. I don't want to deal with guns. I don't want to deal with all that stuff. There are people who are exceptionally, that would be exceptionally good at those jobs that are missing out on it because we've assigned credibility to being on the street for a certain amount of time. Right. Right. Street cred. Right. Or you got to, you got to, you got to know what it's like to be a cop. Cool. Where? Because being a cop in, let's say, dang, I'm trying to think of a small town, Globe, right? Being a top, a cop in Globe, Arizona, no offense, guys, is different than being a cop for a year in New York City. Absolutely different. Those are two different worlds. It's different than being a cop in Phoenix or Chandler or Mesa. It's different. And each one of those is different than the other, right? Yeah. Because the environment, the clientele, the landscape, the streets, the buildings, everything is different. So we go, oh, you got to be a cop first. What does that mean? Oh, you have to be a patrol officer. Yeah. So being a patrol officer makes you know everything about the next task. Well, no, once you get there, we're going to treat you like shit too and act like you don't know anything. How does that make sense? Like we used to do that in SWAT. People would do, you know, DOU and they'd run a rifle for this and they would be on this specialty unit and then they would come to the SWAT team and we would treat them like they were some kind of brand new person. And they had like 15 years in the department. Are you out of your mind? Right? Like they're not a new guy. Right. How are you treating them like a new guy? A guy that comes to detectives right now after four years being on the department is not a new guy. They're not new. They're not dumb. They have value. They have experience, their own unique experience. And oftentimes it outvalues stuff that people that have been there 10 years have because it's unique to them. They have an experience with something that other people haven't even had. But we look at it as these are requirements to do job B. So you get hired to do job A, which is patrol officer. And then you get to move on to job B when we deem you're necessary by the time spent on the street. Either A, being a slug and doing nothing and having no experience but you spent the time and being a hard charger and doing everything in the world, oh, you had an excessive force. We didn't like it. And now you can't do anything else. And now that ha- person has a stain on their career. Never happened to me, but it has happened to people, right? Where we view those two things as not quite equal. The FBI has probably got some of the most talented investigators in the nation. They train them right from the first day. Yeah, they have guns. They do all that stuff. But... I, I challenge you to show me a, an FBI officer who was not prior law enforcement, like either federally or locally or like that, who has time riding a beat. They don't. They like show up to their station. Like, here's how you investigate bank robberies. I don't know what I'm doing. Don't worry. We don't either. We're going to figure it out. Yeah. It's okay. It, you've got a finance degree. Yeah. 
So it, but that's how it works. So like, why can't we do that as law enforcement throughout the country? Why can't we hire people to be document crimes investigators? Why can't we hire people to be accident reconstructionists? Why can't we hire people to, to be patrol officers, right? Instead of overly specializing everything, why don't we look at it like the military does with an MOS where like patrol would be like the infantry division, right? The smallest. It's the smallest. It's supported by all of these other bureaus and specialties, right? Motor T, comms, paperwork, all that stuff. You have civilians running all your records, right? Is there like a sworn person or sergeant up there nope. somewhere? Nope. So you're telling me that police, like you guys actually have computers that run and you can look stuff up and keep track of shit without a policeman being there? Weird. That's weird, right? That's impossible. You got to have a cop there for him to make sure it works right. Because our egos tell us that. Shit, the guy who does all of our like uh, our Nibin stuff, our firearms tracing, he he used to be a cop. He is a non-sworn member of our staff. Right, but that's the ego, right? So it's like, wait a minute. You have to be a cop to know how to be a detective. That's right. But they don't have to be. Well, that's not fun. That's paperwork. Okay. So if it's not cool or sec, what about dispatchers? Yeah, non-sworn. Shouldn't they be a cop? Like that way, they really know what you're going through. Yeah, no, I don't agree with that. But the, the but they can't possibly understand what you're doing unless they've been a cop. But then you can get a dispatcher who's been a dispatcher for ten years, and you get a one brand new six months on the road patrol cop. I guarantee you, she knows more than he does yeah. about the way the city works, the beats, and even the people she's gonna he's gonna run into. Even the way he talks on the radio, she already knows what's gonna happen, right? Or he, right? You got male dispatchers. But that's the ego thing. We have all these other things that, oh, no, that's okay for civilians to do. Like my job, firearms instructor. Oh, you could be a civilian? Who do you think we go to to learn? Civilians. Right. Right? You got to be a cop. Uh, No, we're teaching people how to shoot guns. Don't got to be a cop. Teach them that. You got to teach them how to be a cop with a gun. Nope. Don't got to be a cop. Nope. Now you're talking tactics, right? Shooting is shooting. Like shooting a gun is shooting a gun. It doesn't matter if it's a piece of paper or a person. The the stakes raise, right? The, the the psychologically, some things can change until you're exposed to different things. But excuse me, exposure to just competition shooting will take the nerves, excuse me, of a police officer and decrease the baseline stress level by tenfold. Just getting a guy to go shoot and get his ass kicked by a dentist and a fourteen year old girl. Just go shoot and watch this. You suck. But after you do it enough, the guy's like, he's not stressed out. And if it were to ever happen, you'll see a guy like that on the street. His gun handling is going to be better. His confidence is going to be better so he doesn't bite like a corner chihuahua, right? All those things are going to have increased because he's experienced stresses while that tool's been in his hand. And we're on like, I'm on like tangent 17. That's all right. From like MOSs to this and that. But... There's so much that we don't do that guys do on their own. And then those people we look to and go like, this guy's a fucking superstar. How'd you get like that? Because he didn't sit back and do the minimum. He went out and goes, well, I want to try to get a little better. I'm going to go do this. And then those are the people when they show up at departments, people look at him and like, yeah, that guy's fucking squared away. He's amazing. But if you really look at what they do, they don't just show up to be a cop at work. Right. And they don't live their life off duty like a cop. They come to do a job, and then they invest in things that might make them better at that job on their own. Yeah, shooting, uh, ground defense, you know, jujitsu, krav, whatever the case may be. Everything, right? 
just dealing with something that might make you possibly successful. Hopefully it never happens. But that guy, even if it never happens, is the one you can you can just go on a scene and go, he's not scared. And you watch people, other people react and you're like, you went to the academy, you you were marginal at best, and you've never done anything other than that. Other than stress out for your qual, you've never done anything firearms related after and that. And that will that that whole stressing out for you should not have to burn time off because you are worried about your qual the next day. Turn your fucking gun in. But they won't. I do not want you anywhere near me with a firearm. If you are that stressed out that you can't shoot a, what is it, a 215 or a 210 even that you have to score at a 210 at minimum. I think if you have a red dot, depending on agency, it's like a 220 or 225. If you are so stressed out that you cannot shoot a, uh, the only stress that's induced is a little buzzer, right? Like that's really about it. Uh, and even then there's no stress there. Like you need to walk into your, sorry, now it's my turn to go off on a tangent as a, as somebody who did shoot competitively, like you, it's a square range. It, it doesn't move. You don't move. You walk in a straight line toward the exact same target. You shoot at one thing and you shoot it right around what? 50 times, 52 times. And just go, just shoot your gun. And if you're that concerned, tell you what, take one of your days off and go shoot your gun. Our, our agency goes so far as having open range time where they invite you to come out. They supply you a hundred rounds of ammunition that you don't have to pay for. And you get to shoot in an air conditioned facility and you get to work on the fundamentals and build your confidence. Go do something like that. Just like I don't want you to sit there and piss and moan and moan and piss when it comes to the basic defensive tactics that we practice during our annual proficiency training. You're a cop. It doesn't matter if you're in like community resources or an SRO or a detective. Like you're a detective. You're still, you have a gun, a badge, a set of handcuffs and the authority to take somebody's life if necessary. Like, and what you're a detective for oftentimes involves felonies. Felonies mean like prison time. The person you're going to try and interview, even if it's in a controlled environment after they've already been searched by a fugitive apprehension team, by another detective, by hopefully by you if the case calls for it, um, uh, although not always, but you're in a controlled environment, but you're still through two locked doors from all your other detectives, and this dude decides, fuck this. If I'm going to go to prison, I'm going to make it worth my while. Yep. And you're in his way, or he knows that you didn't close and lock that door all the way, or whatever the case may be, and you're between him and his idea of freedom, which is actually probably an ass kicking on a scale he's never experienced before. Uh, but you've got to be able to manage yourself in any of those situations. And thus, as you've said, building your confidence along the way. We, as the police have, and I have 17 tangents I go down, I'm going to go down too. You're going to hear instructors, law enforcement instructors, private trainers from across this country Bad mouth law enforcement training. Cops don't know what they're doing. They all shoot like shit. They, it's a generalized statement. Anyone that uses a generalized statement to me loses my interest very quickly because they don't know what they're talking about. They're generalizing an entire group as one thing. I wouldn't. I would have less if they said most or in my experience I've seen these things because I've traveled all over this country training, and there are exceptionally talented people in the smallest departments you could even think of. Like, unbelievable, like, holy crap, this guy's freaking awesome. Will you come work for us? And then you go to places with huge amounts of people, and you're like, you're a goddamn idiot. How did you think that was even possibly good? 
Like, I can't believe you're a cop. You're that stupid. So the generalization of law enforcement training as a whole, sucking, we've earned it ourselves. I don't agree with it. Like, I don't agree where I work. I think our training is great and it's getting better. But it wasn't that always that way. So we, as law enforcement, if I generalize it, right, bad thing to do, back in the day, we created those people. Because our training was always based on one baseline of either you can do it or you suck, right? Do this, press. Like, a lot, all you got to do is align the sights and press, or the, the famous slow down and get your hits, right? And I talked about this on Instagram with one of the, my buddies who made a, like an actual spoof film out of it, and I was laughing my ass off. And then another friend got a hold of me. He's like, well, you know, sometimes slow is good. And I'm like, kind of, right? Like, the phrase when it's only spouted off as the answer, like slow down and get your hits and then you walk off, what does that actually tell the person to do? Here's a tangent, right? Slow down and get your hits. Okay, so shoot, shoot slower. And they still miss. Right. So I, I tell recruits, I go, time, like time itself doesn't equal accuracy. Because again, that goes to the, like the shooting them too soon, the girl with the knife, right? How much time do I need? Do, I, do you want me to give you 10 minutes? I'll give you a half hour. Here's a half hour. What? You have one half hour. Shoot that piece of steel. Miss. Fuck. Okay. So it doesn't matter about the time. Like too little time generally causes us to rush, right? Like Steve Anderson says, never rush, never try, never hurry. I don't need time to do something. I don't need to slow down. I just need to see what's appropriate and then make it happen. Like once the gun comes up, once the sights are aligned on the target, do I need to align them more? No. Shoot. Well, you can't. Oh, now you're jerking the trigger. Rob Lathan comes out, teaches with us all the time, jerks the dog shit out of the trigger. When I shoot, I jerk the hell out of the trigger, but it goes straight to the back, right? So we were in a SIG class. Um, at first, I thought the drill was kind of goofy, and then I'm like, shit, we're going to do this for everybody. So we would be, it started at seven yards. We'll aim at the target, go to trigger prep, right? Prep that trigger right to the wall, aim the gun, and then they would set the timer off, beep, and you would fire the gun as quick as possible. So we're all shooting the gun at like 0.14 seconds, faster than the beep is over with on the timer. We can do that all the way back to 50 yards and still hit eight inch circles. So we're looking at people going, how is it possible to, that's jerking the trigger. Beep, bang, shoot the gun, beep, bang. So we're jerking the shit out of the trigger. Therefore, slow down, get your hits is bullshit, right? It isn't slow down and get your hits. It's don't, don't rush the necessary things. Like the sights have to be like, you got to see them. So make sure you see your sights. Once you see your sights, don't disturb them. They're going to be moving. They're never going to freeze and don't try to time it right now because when you go now and jerk your whole hand and squeeze your whole hand, that's causing the gun to move. And you're throwing your shots. And you're throwing your shots. But unless we explain to people like, hey, think about it. When you do this and you show them, when you do that, you push it over here. Yeah, it's always down low left. Wow, imagine that. If you don't do those things, try to find a way not to do just this. How about a little more support hand? And then we'll replace our, their hand with our hand and we'll squeeze and go, can you replicate? They're like, I'm not holding on that tight. And we're like, I know. Try to replicate that pressure. And then they shoot and you're like, holy shit. And you watch that aha moment come on, right? Like, no one's ever showed me that before. I know. And I'm sorry. I apologize that that's the way we used to do business around here. Slow down and get your hits. Instead of, hey, do this, right? Not slow down. How about use your support hand, grip the gun a little more, don't change anything else. Does that change anything? Yeah, it did. It actually made me get right in the middle, but I'm still low. Okay, why are we low? Are we, are we trying to go now? Are we pushing on it like that? I think so. How about we go to prep? Don't shoot. My, my friend Chris does this. Go to prep, aim the gun, don't shoot. I don't want you to shoot the gun, but I need you to prep the trigger more because you're not there. So they'll pull on the trigger. It moves a little more. See? 
that you're not even prepped yet. Now don't shoot, but prep it a little more. Boom, the gun goes off, dead ass center, right? Holy shit. See, that's prep. Where that wall, did you feel that extra movement? I've never felt that before because they're touching the trigger because we, we're not in their head, right? I hate it when firearms instructors assign what they think is going on to what a person's doing. Oh, you're anticipating. How do you know they're anticipating? You know what the fuck they're doing? They're anticipating anything. They're not letting the gun recoil. They're trying to make the gun stay. It's going boom, so it's that pre-ignition push on it, right? They're not anticipating that. They're just going, and it's their whole hand, right? They're moving their fingers. They're not anticipating. They're moving their fingers. Well, it's usually anticipated because they have that bullshit wheel, right? Right. And that my favorite one is the one where it's like, good in the middle and then you suck you suck you suck you suck, suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, suck. all the way yeah. around or, or do this again and then like you suck all the way around yeah. <laughs> perfect don't do that but that's the shit that's the old dogma and guys would come in they'd get a new firearms instructor would go to a unit and then they would learn from the old dudes who all they did was belittle people online because they could shoot better and the, the mission was never accomplished it was like a shooting show and then getting people just marginally good enough to get through the qual and those that couldn't throw them to the wayside and I don't believe in that. I think we owe them more than that. We owe them like, hey, this is how a gun works. This is how to shoot it accurately. Can you accomplish these things? Cool. Time to move past that. Let's start moving and shooting. Let's start walking. Let's start decision making. Let's stop pointing our guns at everything because that's not going to scare anybody. Either put it in your holster or pull it back in so you can actually see what's going on. And then showing them with timers, like from here to here to shoot, what's the difference? Well, really, it's it's a tenth slower. Cool. But it's more accurate because that's what you're used to doing when you draw and aim. Instead of aiming at it and going, now, and trying to react to it and shoving on it. Well, I never thought of that. Cool. But now you know it, and now you know this is what you're capable of. Like, here's where your ground rules are. This is what this is as good as you are right now. You're only this good. Well, I want to be better. Absolutely. You got to work on it. But right now, your world is this big, and outside of that, you're going to suck or get killed. Sometimes you don't get to shoot back. And we talked to him about that. What if? Well, what if he's shooting at me? If he's standing in a crowd of people shooting at you, you do not get to shoot back in my fantasy that I'm giving you right now. He's in a crowd of people shooting at you. You don't get to shoot back. If he's in a crowd of people shooting at people, you run up to him, screw the gun into his ear, and blow his head off. You don't just get to shoot at him. Well, he's shooting at me. Too bad. Safety priorities. Right. You put yourself here. You took the job. You don't get to put yourself in front of other people. Right? You have to decide how to deconflict that. To deconflict that situation, he needs to be shot or strangled, which some people can't do, right? He'd be choked out, hit with a baton, magic lightning gun, OC. Something has to happen to him. You can go talk to him. Stop shooting the people. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was wrong. Right? Whatever might ha- could happen. It could happen. It's entirely possible. It's entirely sure. possible. But something's got to occur. And isn't you shooting back at a person in a crowd? I guarantee you that's wrong. Right? Well, yeah, I guess that would be bad. Oh, it would be really bad. Yeah, especially when uh, when you have to answer for the four yeah. bodies that if were not him. If you shoot four other people, you're going to prison. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Who'd you intend to shoot? Him. Who'd you shoot? Them. Oh, well. Fuck your life. Yep. Sorry about it. Enjoy prison. Um, Shit, I don't even know. Um, there's just so much more we could do. Like, I know a lot of places, um, place where I work, there's a lot of people rethinking the way we train from the ground up, like the academies. And back east, I think it's that way already. Like, oh, you want to be a cop? Cool. Go do that on your on your own dime. Go to the junior college and get your whatever, I'm a junior cop degree. And then if you're good enough, a place will hire you to be to go to the academy. Or you can pay your way through an academy. Um, 
I think there's value to that where it's like you want to be the police, go to MCC, go to ASU, U of A, NAU, wherever you want, go to their law enforcement program, get all your basic AZ post stuff out of the way, law, all that stuff. Show in a, in a classroom environment without the stressors of everything else that's going on that you can conceptualize the basic ideas of what it takes to do this job and that you understand the legal part of it. Now you're going to go to an academy where you're going to run your PT. You're going to learn to shoot. You're going to learn to fight. You're going to learn to drive. You're going to learn the hard skills, right? All the soft stuff you can learn in the classroom. Then you're going to come in all that academy time. We're going to invest in showing you how to learn from then on. Like we're going to show you how to shoot, how to learn to shoot, what you can do outside on your own, things you can take away from it. Hey, here's the way to invest in it. I need you, like all my recruits, it's like, hey, tonight, five minutes, that's all I want from you. I want you to draw, clear your gun, make sure everything's safe. I just want you to draw from the holster to a grip. I don't even want you aiming the gun. I just want the gun out of your holster. I want your grip built, put it back in the holster. That's all you're doing. And they do it for five minutes, they put it away, and they're done. And they'll come back, I did it for 20 minutes. Cool, I wanted you to do it for five minutes. So you can't even listen to that. <laughs> five minutes, dude. It's not. Write not a, go write a memo. You're not. Yeah, I, I never do that. We're like, we always used to joke. We're like, we're the cool uncles. And it's the creepy uncles down there. That you hang out with. But that the range should be like a chill place. Like where learning occurs, right? Where you come down here and it's like, hey guys, we're going to get better today. We're going to do this better. This is going to be fun. We're going to show you why it's fun. And if they in the academy can think that the range is a fun place to be, my recruits from my first class still show up and shoot. Not all of them, but a lot of them still come up and get their 100 rounds of ammo, and they go out there and they practice. And they still suck at stuff. And they'll come back and tell me, I still suck at stuff. Work on this. Do this. Let's go out and think about this. That's it. Don't overthink it. As long as you're practicing and getting reps in, you're getting, you're building it. It's getting better. But if you just did the academy and all you did was like, oh, I made it. That's next, bad. Next year comes around. Oh, shit. I yeah. hope I can qual. It shouldn't even be a thought. It should just be like, I guess it's time to go do the qual. It's just another day at the range. I wonder if I can get some more ammo and go practice what I'm actually trying to work on and what I'm trying to get better on today. Target transitions or I'm trying to get, you know, something better. But, and then to all those people out there listening, like the law enforcement weapons training and marksmanship is about building confidence so they don't have to shoot. That's my goal. Make them so confident in their ability to use force when necessary that they don't use it when it's not. Like they should be surgical in the rounds that they place. And that doesn't mean shoot them in the knee. Because I've made the joke before. If you clear me hot as a patrol guy, like, hey, shooting people in the kneecaps now is considered less lethal. Oh, the hilarity that will <laughs> ensue. It will. I know I can do that. I've been on, I don't know how many situations where a guy's standing like, I can shoot that guy in the kneecap right now. And laugh because he's being a dick. But I can't do that and I wouldn't do that, right? But if that's how they want to view it, because there's people who think that's a logical option. Right. It is not a logical option to shoot people with guns less lethally. I don't think that's a word. No, but I, I think everybody listening yeah, probably knows what you that mean. That is right? not a viable option. He has a knife. Shoot him in the kneecap. Not acceptable. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do not do that. Shoot them until they stop. And we've had people complain about that. Well, he didn't kill him. Good. That's not the goal. Their life has value, right? We're not devaluing them. We're not putting them. That's why it's a safety priority. It's not a priority of life. We're not the hangmen, right? We're no, not the executioners. Absolutely not. We are not saying this is the most valuable life, second life, third valuable life, no value. 
We're not assigning a value to their life. All lives are equally value. We are assigning a priority of safety to those people. That's where that safety priority comes from. People who are being held hostage, who have not got the ability to leave, are the number one thing that we will go insert ourselves in to make them safe. And if that means de-escalation by deadly force on the person who will not let them leave, because they have control over their option. They can at any time go, oh, you know what? I'm going to change my environment. I quit. I'm just going to leave. I, was, I made a bad decision. And you know what? Nothing bad is going to happen to them. Oh, they're going to go to prison, but we're not going to beat them up or anything stupid. They have the ability. We can go in there and shoot that guy in the face. i got no problem with that. The uninvolved innocents, who we have somehow allowed to get involved in things over the years as cops, because we don't understand that we can actually limit people's ability to do things, or put ourselves in between innocents that aren't involved, well, if I go over there and get, if I approach him and that person and he charges me and I got to shoot him, I, I'm in, I, I caused that. No, you didn't. You have an innocent person. Like, let me give you a scenario. Uh, you ever seen a city bus? Yep. So people listening, a bus, right? Usually the bus has two windows up front. It has a door, like a front entry door that's over the right front wheel. It's always the curb side, right? And then it has usually a door in the middle. So it usually has two doors on the curb side that you can get in. And behind the door on the curbside towards the rear are more seats, right? So you get a call. Guy is on the bus. He has a knife. He is screaming and yelling, and he is at the back door of the bus, that row of seats. He's not threatening anybody. He is screaming bloody murder about the aliens and the CIA. He's got it in his head. He has a big old butcher knife, and he's stabbing the seats, and he's going crazy with it. And two rows behind him in the farthest back side of the bus are three senior citizens on their way to do their dialysis or whatever, right? They cannot leave. They're too scared to leave. They're mentally, physically incapable of getting past him. He has not threatened them in any way, shape, or form. He might not even be aware that they're there. But you show up on the scene, what do you do? Well, you got to, yeah, contain control and then communicate with that guy, but you've got to get those people off the bus. So how do you do it? Oh, well. Yeah, I don't know. You've got options. Part of me says flashbang the fucking bus, but I don't know. That that's, do you have a flashbang? I don't have a flashbang in a, so let me a ask control you this. position. If, I, no. <laughs> if we had those that, that idea, that tactical decision-making model, if we had those safety priorities in line, and I told you, hey, are there any hostages? No, they're not hostages. They're, he's not saying, if you, come, if, if you come on the bus, I'll kill him. He's just screaming, yelling about the aliens in the CIA, right? And he's stabbing the freaking chair in front of him. He's being a complete maniac, right? He's not, he's not holding them hostage, and you're like, get off the bus. They're like, I'm fucking too scared. Like, I can't move, right? If it goes hostages and then it goes innocent civilians, we don't insert ourselves to do anything other than de-escalate by each position. So we're going to de-escalate this situation in favor of the innocent person, which is those three people behind him. So we're going to get on the bus with him and the knife, and we're going to tell him, folks, we're going to come get you off the bus. Even if it's go past him and open a window and put him out the window, even if it's go past him and take him off the bus, whatever it is, we're going to go on the bus so they don't get hurt. That's the safety priority. Hostages, they're not hostages. Innocents, yep, they're innocent as fuck. They can't leave. They have. They cannot change their environment. Even if you were to go to the side window, can you open this up? Open the window. I don't know how to do it. My fingers, they're not helping you today because you're fucked, right? We're going to get on the bus and tell them, look, dude, we're going to get these people off the bus. Don't be stupid. If he stands up with a knife, what do you do? And he attacks you. Oh, but shoot him. Shoot him. If he stands up and attacks them, what do you do? Shoot him. If he doesn't do shit and you can get him off the bus, what do you do? Just leave him. Leave him. Then we de-escalate by the next order, right? The officers, us. Does that mean stay on the bus and talk to him? No, not necessarily. No, get off the bus. We have to make sure we're safe. 
him, he's last. That doesn't mean we're there to kill him. It just means he's last in the priority of safety. So we've got them safe. Now we don't stay on the bus, and now we're putting ourselves in jeopardy because we stayed there. Now we go, you know what? They're off the bus. There's no reason for us to be on the bus. We've deactivated the bus. He can't do shit with the bus. Let's get off the bus and talk to him. And then generally that's just going to turn into a SWAT call out, crisis intervention, something. But I think we have an actual fear of getting on the bus and causing, I'm doing air quotes, causing a shooting, right? Because Yeah, see I've, that heard, I've heard that before. Where, well, where, oh no, well, your actions caused oh, that yeah. to escalate. Yeah, show me where that's ever happened legally. Your actions caused him to do this. Really? I'm God? Because I'm pretty sure he's got free will even with that cat, right? You can't cause anybody to do anything. He voted. Sometimes they vote in an election that we're not voting in. Like, right. They're just voting and shit. <laughs> like, he's like, Jeopardy. You're like, what the fuck? And it's going to happen today. And you're like, I'm just trying to go to Jack in the Box. You're like, bro, I just want to eat my fucking food I right in my report to go home. Yeah. <laughs> but you're, you're like, you get on, the, like, they can't get off the bus. He's on the bus. He got a knife acting like a crazy person. No, nah, can't do that. We got to get them off the bus. Now, if all three of them go, hey, dude, we are perfectly fine being here. Doesn't bother me at all. Don't hurt him. No longer innocence. They've involved themselves. Right. They've now gone online with like willing participant. Right. We are not now going to put ourselves in danger to get people who don't give a shit and are perfectly happy where they're at. Out. We're going to leave them there. Now people are like, oh, you can't do that. Liability. What if he gets up and kills him? Uh, they chose. They've already told me they're They good. voted. That's their election they're voting in. He's voting here. They're voting there. We asked to help. They don't want it. We're not going to put ourselves in danger for that. If one of them, though, goes, I really want to get off. I'm fucking scared shitless. Cool. We're going on to get that Game person on. off the bus. Hey, dude, no one wants to hurt you. Scream at the thing all you want. Bring a shield on. Kind of get it in the way. We don't even have to put hands on him. We're just going to go by him. Hey, dude, just like with your with your dogs earlier, right? Yeah. Hey, guys, good good boy. Walk right by. Like, it ain't no freaking thing. What if he does shoot him? What if he does less lethal? What is magic lightning gun? I don't give a shit what it is. But the safety priorities make that decision-making model super easy. Super easy. Same dude is in his living room, like we said, stabbing his chair. I'm going to kill myself because I'm sad. What? Bye. Yeah, can we get you any resources? Yeah. Fuck you. All right, Please. see you later. Like, we really want to help you. I'm going to invest some time into at least saying, hey, are you aware of this there? And if he's not contaminated and his mind is like, like, I understand, but you don't understand my girlfriend. I've known her for like three weeks and I just want to kill myself. Dude, that's really freaking sad, man. Like, I can empathize with the way you feel. I, I've never been in that situation. Um, I would like to get you to talk to somebody, you know, like give me another day, all the things we can talk to him. Oh, I just want to do it. All right, we're leaving. We're leaving. Dude, what if when we leave, he goes out and kills his neighbors? I'm sure his neighbor's families would be fucking sad as shit. And he'll be sad and we'll be sad, but that's I don't have a crystal ball. Yeah, can't can't predict the I future. Can't predict we're not that. it's like I, I've it's totally, not the thought police. We're not fucking uh Minority report. Right, yeah. Right? It doesn't work that way. We're like, I don't know what he's going to do. Well, what if he did? Okay. We're leaving. You Oh, so you want me to go in and kick his ass and kill him from killing himself? Because when he jumps up with a knife and I kill him, I'm going to save him by killing him. No. Now, if he's like, I'm going to kill my neighbor, and he's out there trying to get in his neighbor's house. Well, wait, there's story. a crime, yeah. right? There's a crime going on there. Like, I don't... There's so much. There's so much stupid shit that we do nationally 
that needs to start getting recognized in a lower level. And we need to start empowering employees, empowering officers, sergeants, lieutenants with the actual knowledge of what they can and can't do legally. Like what's expected of you? Not, not this false duty to duty to act, right? We have a duty. Show me where that is. Supreme Court already said it. they charged the yeah. cop in Florida because he's a piece of shit and a coward. Yes. Uh, I have a feeling that's going to go nowhere because you don't have a duty to do anything. And people, you're the police. That doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean shit. Most of us have a moral, like, compass and ethical. Compass and, yeah, we feel like we should do something, although there's no requirement to do it, right? Like, we're not required by law to do something. Um, and that's going to blow a lot of people's minds. I'm yeah, sure. and there are I a lot guarantee. of people who don't who don't know that because I've talked to people about that. I mean, so, and you're referencing the the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting and the Broward County yep. Sheriff's deputy who sat out front. And I've never been on SWAT. You spent 13 years on SWAT. I'm fairly certain that you and I have the same fucking idea as to what actually needed to happen, which is like, holy shit, there's somebody shooting children here. Oh, time to go in. If yep. I if I die, fuck it. Like, oh, okay. I'm at least gonna make the fucking effort to make yeah, this. They'll, stop. they'll name a school after you or some shit. Uh, yeah, or you get a street, or yeah, you know, or, something cool, or yeah, you know, something cool, or I don't know, just like, don't worry about it. You know, hey, that's the, like get in there, get some hero shit yeah, right there. Like, do your job and go in there and do it. However, he didn't act. He isn't necessarily criminally liable for that. Did he violate policy? Very much potentially so, but that's not criminal. Yeah. Well, some policy is is in line with you know criminal law, but if if you from a uh, a policy a general order standpoint failed to act, then okay, he gets fired. But that right. doesn't equate to jail time. No, and that's but again, thing. like again, you you and I, and I would hope the vast majority of law enforcement officers in this country would look at a situation like that. I every cop that I've ever talked to about Broward County. Like, you can't look at a Broward County car. I, I got off the fucking uh, plane in Fort Lauderdale to go get on a cruise, and there's a Broward County patrol car sitting out front there, and the first thing you talk about generalizing, and it's that implicit bias that that we all hold, whether or not we want to or not. The first thing I thought when I looked at that was, oh, Coward County. Hmm. And you're like, yeah, oh, fuck, that, that, that fucking deputy driving that car isn't that dude. Like, he doesn't have any control over that guy, and that guy's in action. And there is, you're 100% right. The, but like getting to that point, like there isn't one. Um, there's a lot of cops that there's a false bravado, especially in SWAT, especially in law enforcement. And it goes on where like the sheepdog mentality, you know, Grossman stuff, all these other things where we assign, we assign a character to our value to have like this character that we play. Like I'm a Spartan or I'm this and I'm that. How about you're a policeman? Why is that less than the Spartan? Why isn't police officer a lion? Why isn't it a sheepdog? Why does it have to have something other than that assigned to it? And it's because we, it's like we need more. And you'll have a lot of guys saying, man, I would have gone there in heartbeat. And I've been around long enough and I've seen enough cops act when you start firing AKs at them with blanks and watch people dart off into la-la land and almost shit their pants. And people will say they do a lot of stuff. I'll do this. I'll do that. And it's like, cool, until it's time. Like, will you actually... Will you actually go and do it? And I've been in situations where I've, like in my life, where I look back and I go, fuck, I failed. I absolutely failed to do what I said I would do, even though I know, like when on the Christmas thing I've talked about, I know those kids were dead. I knew in my heart 100%. 
but I had no way to prove it other than just knowing it from my experience. And I wasn't going to trade the lives of my dudes or myself for a false bravado. But I know in my past, I've said, this is what I will do. And we will put a face in a hole. If you get shot in the head and died, we're going to pull you out. And we're going to stick another one in it until we win. Like we're the Chinese army and we can win this by attrition. And that's a simple thing to say in training until it starts occurring. And then you're like, hold on. I might have been a little bit full of shit there in a minute, right? And I like to think that I've done everything as bravely as I possibly could have in the past and all the stuff that I've dealt with. But like that night, I know when I look back at it, I'm like, A, I know I was correct in hindsight. B, I know I was correct at the time. And C, I still fucking failed because we said we'd do it this way. This is what we said would happen. They aren't coming up the stairs. They failed us. I'm not in the hole doing this business. I failed us just because I couldn't see because it wasn't like training. Like, where is that dude at? And all I'm doing is getting shot. That's it. Getting shot at, can't find him, get back down. Back up in the hole, getting shot at, where is he? I can't see him, get back down. Why aren't you in the hole? Why aren't you in the door? That whole thing went on. Um, There's a lot of things we say we'll do, but we have to experience them. And then we have to have a realistic expectation when we actually push these type of things forward to training where you tell cops, even on something as simple as like the traffic stop you did, I'm sure you did it in the academy up on the hill. Oh, yeah. You pull him over and he gets out shooting at you, right? Yep. Was that a surprise? Yep. Especially because I was just having a very nice conversation with the RTO on the whole way up there. that's part of it. I was like, wow, he's being really nice. Holy fucking shit. (laughs) Yep. And even then, though, it's just over and everything's fine, right? And it doesn't really equate to the reality of that stuff when it happens. Um, I'm trying on my part to, like, change the way we think about stuff on a very small scale for where I work. Um, but nationally, like guys, if you're if you're lacking training, trainers that are out there, if you think departments are lacking training, try to find ways to make it happen. Um, if your department won't help you with anything, find a way to make it happen. I was talking to an officer this week on, I think it was Instagram, and we're talking about like, hey, you know, uh, putting training together and having these things come out here. And this is what it would cost to go over here and do whatever. And he asked his uh, sergeant about going to training and his sergeant's response was, so I'm going to miss out on a week of tickets. What? Like he's going to come back better, but you're going to miss out on revenue. Like that, just that coming out of a police officer's mouth drives me crazy. That dude should hit me up. We're taking laterals right now with $5,000 incentives. Just saying. (laughs) I'm telling you guys right now, and this is something that I've talked to chiefs and stuff about across this country. The the departments that expect more from their officers will get better officers. If you expect more from them, if you train them better, if you offer them better equipment and training, they will come. It's like the field of dreams, right? But if you treat it as the old ways... Just throwing money at people even isn't going to get you better stuff. Expect more from them. I know I tell you right now, our state agency increased their PT standards and they told them we're going to lose people. They got more people getting hired over there. More people are showing up because it's harder. And they're, they're, those are the people you want. Mm-hmm. Wait, that's hard. I'll go over there. I'll, I like a challenge. I'll go get challenged over there. But if, if you have a higher standard, like, sorry, dude, you're not good enough to come work for us. What do you mean? Shit, they, that guy's not good enough. I'm good enough. And you get more people that want to go there. That training, like when you tell people, look, you come here, we're going to make you successful. 
We're going to show you how to thrive in our community. We're going to show you what's expected of you. And we're not going to leave you in the dark where you're wondering if you're going to be supported. I wonder, you know, I wonder, fuck, if I do this, am I going to get fired? No, you're going to know because I'm your boss. And we'll go out in the street and I'd be like, hey, dude, if you ever get to another one of these calls, I expect you to get this taken care of for me first. This is what I kind of want to get. This is how I want it to get taken care of. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you're like, yes, Roger that. Next call I go on, I really don't need to worry about much. When I show up and it's not done, we'll deal with that. But when I show up, I expect that A and B are done. Hey, how are we going on this? Hey, boss, I'm already talking to him on the phone. Sounds like he's uh, maybe drug-induced, alcohol, I'm not quite sure. Um, really not getting anywhere worth it. All right. Now I'm in charge. Right. You've done everything you need to do to that point. Oh, and we got a perimeter set up. Yep. Yeah. I'm Now I'm here. Now I'm going to start doing what's expected of me from my lieutenant. The lieutenant if he needs to show up, is going to do what's expected of him from command, whatever level that may be. And then it will get resolved, whether it's through us, through another like resource from the city or the state. It doesn't have to be the police every time. You know, we're leaving. Get Here's the number of the crisis line. Give them his number. Have them call him. Let them know about this address. I'm going to put an alert on our CAD system so that everybody knows that if they get a call to this place that we've dealt with this dude before. And these are things to expect. So we don't have a guy coming in on day shift or third shift who gets blindsided by not realizing that this is Jimmy Bob that you've been dealing with for eight months. We just never told anyone else about it. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah. Well, use those tools that you got out there. And and I would say, and we, you know, jumping back and forth a little bit just to this little spiel, is that the most effective patrol teams that I was ever a part of are... When, you know, they were bred and and raised throughout this year, you know, that we're together. That's how we do it as a year at a time. Um, and the most effective that I ever saw us is when these supervisors gave us the opportunity to, like you just said, hey, guys, in the future, this is how I want this shit done. A, B, C, go. And empowers you to make those decisions because then by the time you've got there, uh, yeah, like three king, 12, whatever your call sign, you know, you know, insert whatever call sign here. Um, you know, hey, I need somebody on the north corner, I need somebody on west, east, south. Um, you know, get this over and done with, okay, and you go ahead and make place the phone call. And then Sarge shows up, and like you say, hey, we're already doing it. Um, so I would say to the supervisors out there, granted, I have never been a supervisor. Um, but empower your people to make these strategic and tactical level decisions. And then when, when you need to get there and take over, it'll happen. But the, the way that the game is played is that the coach is not always fucking there for you. Right. Sometimes, right. Like your sergeant, your sergeant's going to go on vacation every now and then and they fucking Imagine deserve it. That. Imagine yeah. that put up with your ass for six <laughs> months. Like your, your sergeant's also going to get sick every now and then because they got three kids who go to school at these little germ factories, right? Like my kid does. And then you get sick with like the plague. You've put your hand in more meth addicts pockets than you know what to do with. And yet you don't always wear gloves and you're just thinking you're immune to everything. And then your kid gets sick one time and you just both, sorry, that happened to me recently. And you just get mowed over like you're on death's doorstep. Um, your sergeant's not always going to be there and you're going to be relying on the only supervisor in the entire city is already working a call in the farthest precinct from you. You need to be able to handle an entire situation within reason, right? Like there will be other resources that can show up. A, a lieutenant will get out, you know, oh shit. All right. Well, they don't have a sergeant down there. I should probably wander down there and kind of take over that role. Um, 
shit, I've seen like commanders show up on scene. They just happen to be leaving work. I'm like, yep, nope. Hey, I'm here. Like, what do you guys need? I can, I can move mountains. Like I can call on call supervisors, you know, on call supervisors to get people rolled out here. So, um, before we get, uh, too far, uh, gone from it, I wanted to give you the opportunity though, Chris, to talk about 532 insight and your, your business. Uh, it's just beginning. I think it's, uh, as brand new as you could possibly get. Um, I think the easiest thing is we explain the 532. You and I talked about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, 532 is my call sign. The most important call sign to me when I was on SWAT, that was my most important one. Um, my boot camp platoon was 2035. My academy class was 325. The call sign was 532. Um, phone numbers, addresses, things like that have all had those numbers in them. I don't know why they keep popping up, but they seem to make sense. They've kept me safe. So that's where the numbers came from. And then the insight is just going, hey, I've seen some things. I've done some things. Maybe I have the ability to impart a little bit of knowledge and show you the why. Like why this matters or why is this thing important and not just do drills or not just do conceptualized stuff. It's like this is important because it is likely to happen this way again. And we did it this way. This was successful specifically because of this, not luck. And I got plenty of stuff that was just raw luck. And I'll tell you that. Have no idea why I survived that. Just pure luck. Let's not guarantee. Let's not look for that to be our savior. But the insights I have to going, I know for a fact this was the key to the success. Hopefully, I can push it on to people. Um, yeah, I don't even know what I'm going to really do with it yet. Uh, open enrollment stuff. I still think I'm trying to figure out how to do that safely for everybody. Um, I'm not out there to take people's money and just do like a range day. I want them to learn and I want them to want to learn. Um, the LE guys that I train now, um, I get paid to do it at work. Um, hopefully I've imparted on them. Um, maybe some of those dudes will reach out to you, but I think I do a good job with it. Um, and then down the road, eventually turning it into something. I really don't even know what I'm doing with it quite yet. It's one of life's adventures. Well, there you go. You know, one piece of merchandise that you need that nobody, everybody has patches and stickers. You should get fucking Christmas ornaments. I have one. For 532? It has my call sign on it. All right. But it's not. It's my Christmas ornament. You're not going to. You're not going to give yeah. that one up. <laughs> that was given to me. Well, um, what? Uh, so is it? Is it based in? In? Is there going to be classroom element to it, or is it purely like let's go to the range and let's just fucking put the reps in? Uh, so I've done only one actual class under my own banner. I contract teach for another company, and I teach breaching like all across the U.S. Um, but. I've done one classroom portion that was on the hostage rescue scenarios that I've been involved in um, and kind of breaking them down as to what failed and what worked. I think a lot of dudes get more out of the failures um, thinking like, oh, we'll do it this way. And like, cool, I did it that way. And we actually shit the bed. Like we almost got people killed, shot our own people, like bad things happened. Um, I think a lot of dudes can learn out of that. Um, mostly I think it's going to be range stuff. Um, there's plenty of people out there to learn how to shoot. They can shoot better than me. But I think putting it all together, the shooting package with the decision-making package and how you can put that together as a cop specifically, um, I think I've got a lot of insight into how that works. Um, our guns are not magic talismans. Pointing at everybody is not going to be the answer. Um, shooting everybody is definitely not the nope. answer. Again, frowned upon. Frowned upon highly. Um, yeah, man, that's, it's the beginnings of a business that hopefully turns into something, but it's not a hobby. I'm going to try to make something out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there is that important, uh, uh, distinguishing factor between I had, we had a roommate, um, 
when my wife and I, before we were married and we first started living together, sorry for anybody who gets offended by that, but I don't really care. Um, uh, just going to say, if you're going to buy the car, you should fucking test drive it first. Right. That's like, true. and, and I don't just, I'm not using that as a euphemism for any one aspect of a relationship, but like the entire thing. And I'm fairly certain my wife is where I got that from. Um, but, uh, he, uh, he was in the golf industry and he made like custom leather things out of exotic animals. So like you can get fucking stingray and shark putter grips and belts and shoes and, and all this stuff. I don't golf, but all the bits but he told me because i was thinking about starting a business at the time he's like well is it a hobby or is it like is it your career is it going to be your livelihood I'm like well shit that's a really good question and come to find out it truly ended up like i thought i you know again 20 21 22 year old kevin kind of an asshole kind of a hothead i'm like well fuck this guy like i'll show him my business yeah no i don't have that business <laughs> anymore <laughs> so it it was a hobby um so, but no, that's awesome. Where do people uh, uh, find you at on, on social media? Since that's how we all market ourselves nowadays. Uh, the only place I'm at is uh, on Instagram, actually. Okay. Uh, 532 Insight LLC. All right. Fair enough. Um, we're going to have to have you out. We are, I, I'm getting you to the three hour mark because I want you to write it when you sign on the flag because you will have taken the cake for the longest, uh, longest episode thus far. I talk a lot. That No, that's okay. Um, this three hours has gone by very quickly. Uh, and I do greatly appreciate the tangents. Uh, going to have to bring you on again though, uh, to talk about more of your really to dive into those, those 13 years, uh, on SWAT where you gained a lot of this insight and really, you know, your entirety of your, you know, your time in patrol net and then, and then up into, into SWAT and into training, but we will bring that on for another day. I, uh, when I, when I bought that horse soldiers, I also bought a bottle of long branch that hasn't been opened yet. So we have more whiskey to try. Um, but, uh, my, uh, my final question to you for tonight, uh, you have a microphone to the world. Uh, what does the world need to hear from Chris Palmer? Don't panic. Has your actual environment actually changed at all in the past month or is your day-to-day -day life exactly the same as it was three months ago and you're just stressing out because the media and all you do is watch the friggin' news um unplug take a vacation see if you still feel the same way be ready get training uh, don't put up with bullshit but don't stress yourself out unnecessarily because bad things are probably going to happen but we're not we're not sure and that is uh sage wisdom especially to me because my wife had to like give me one of those like hey look at me because last night we're out eating sushi with our kid like i i have my little family here all everything's happy go lucky and i am fucking laser eyes on the news about afghanistan and the shit storm that that I and mean, we started off this show talking about that so i certainly don't want to don't want to necessarily end on it but um uh no that's that's good good advice and that whole you know, has your, has your world really changed? Uh, I can't remember his name, uh, offhand, uh, Jason Redman, who is a, a seal, uh, has a, a, had a saying about like stay in your three foot world. Like you can control anything within three feet of you, anything beyond that. Do you need to control it and move to it? Right? Like, is it, is it completely so far fucking out of your control? Like the news, I can't fucking control it. I, Afghanistan. I, I'm not getting on a fucking airplane and going to Afghanistan. I have no ability to control what goes on there. I have no ability to control what goes on in the white house. Um, 
other than, you know, the chance I get every four years to, to vote and exercise my right as an American citizen. Um, but yeah, live in your three foot world and, and don't panic. That should just be it right there. You should put that on a shirt, 532 inside LLC. Don't panic. Yeah, man. If you, uh, if you feel that strongly about it and you're freaked out, then I expect to see your ass at a fucking city council meeting or a school board meeting. If you're not there, shut the fuck up. Stop posting on fucking Instagram. Stop genuflecting. Stop being a bitch. Do something about it or fucking shut up. Yeah, exactly. Well, I do appreciate the time that uh, that you've uh, spent here in my uh, in my humble abode. Uh, I've enjoyed drinking some whiskey with you. I've gotten you to three hours and three minutes now. Look at that. Perfect. There's mission, those threes. Mission accomplished. There's those threes. We can wait. I mean, now we can just leave it for open air and just get another five thrown in there. Man, I greatly appreciate your time coming out. Uh, if you do have any questions for Chris, 532 Inside LLC. 532 Inside LLC on Instagram. Um, he does... Uh, great like ask me anything questions on instagram take the time check him out and uh and ask him some questions uh if he didn't answer them on this show today uh he can get to you on instagram um or we'll just get him back uh get him back on the show i do need to get you back for a second episode though for sure um i'll even cook for you well let me rephrase that i'll grill for you on the trigger deal make it do you eat cheeseburgers Hell yeah. All right, sweet. Um, all Everybody who's listening to this has been on the show is like, what the fuck? I didn't get any cheeseburgers. <laughs> everybody, I think everybody's gotten bourbon or at least offered a drink. So, um, yeah, I got to I gotta be careful about setting standards there. Otherwise, somebody's going to come over and be like, where's my fucking cheeseburger? I'm not saying a goddamn word until you feed me. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, with that, guys, I do really appreciate y'all sticking with us and listening to this episode of Blue Line Millennial. Uh, hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, uh, at Blue Line Millennial. And uh, you can also email me, bluelinemillennial at gmail.com. And with that, I say stay safe, and I'll see you on the road. Mm-hmm.